Hello survivors and welcome to First Aid Spray, a Resident Evil podcast by fans for fans. This is episode 69 and in this edition we find ourselves exploring the wider tapestry of the Raccoon City tragedy as we take to the internet to play Resident Evil Outbreak. My name is Sai and joining me on the panel this week, the master of unlocking, well maybe if everyone wasn't standing in the way repeatedly shoulder checking the same door, it's Alicia Ashcroft. Nice. Even being the tank with the most HP in the game won't save you from your so-called teammate blowing you up with a tanker when you're standing right next to it. It's Mark Wilkins. Nice. Working as a waitress in a Raccoon City bar. It's our very own Cindy Lennox. Come on, Cindy. <laughs> Come on, Cindy. Nice. Every episode of First Aid Spray is recorded live on our Discord server, so join now to hear the show early and unedited and to become part of our fantastic little community where we discuss life, the universe, and Resident Evil. You can find a link to the server as well as all of our social media profiles at our website, fasprayPod.com. It's the support of our listeners that keeps First Aid Spray going, so why not check out our merchandise or our Patreon page? Tears begin at just one dollar a month. Head over to patreon.com forward slash fasprayPod for a full list and a chance to create bonus third stuff spray content i nearly got that out without messing it up um we have had quite a busy month since we did a our last episode of the main show we've been busy beavers uh there is a lot of content on both sides of the patreon barrier um if you're supporting first aid spray across the many different tiers that we have you'll have a lot of stuff potentially sitting in your inbox if you haven't checked it out so i'm just going to run down a bunch of stuff that we put out over the last month uh, the Parasite Eve bonus show is available for Patreons. That'll be coming to everyone soon. But as always, bonus episodes, Patreons get it first. Really good time to sort of revisit that survival horror slash RPG mishmash. Uh, the latest episode of Now That's What I Call Survival Horror is up there as well, which is Steve ranking his top 10 tracks from the soundtrack of Resident Evil Revelations 2. We've put out a lot of episodes of A Moment of Relief uh which is our new show and we are looking for feedback on it so if you're checking the show out please let us know how you feel about all the various different avenues we're going down the most recent episode which is going out this evening to patreons is a sit-down conversation between james bergs and amy Dezura, who is the former community manager at adventurers lodge the DD fifth edition sort of community campaigny thing it's cool it's a uh, just a relaxed, casual conversation about tabletop gaming. We did a Resident Evil-centric one, which is still Patreon-exclusive for the next little while, talking about remakes, what's next, what do we want to see from potential remakes, what games do we not want to see remade, etc. Um, over on the public side, because of all the recent gaming showcases like Summer Games Fest and the Xbox and PlayStation showcases, we also gathered to talk about that and put it straight out to the public because, you know, it's topical and timing and that's how YouTube works. Um, so yeah, you know, you can see our thoughts on the many gaming announcements over the last few weeks. And also available publicly is the new episode of Tear Death Experience where we ranked every outfit that Claire Redfield has ever worn in the series. I told you it's quite a lot of stuff. So let's move into the biohazard news. Counterpoints to a lot of stuff that we're doing. The, uh, there's only one real news story this week. Resident Evil Death Island is releasing digitally in the United States on July the 25th. Uh, yeah, I think it's still coming to Japan on the 7th, from what I understand, but uh, it's coming to the West a little bit later in the month, so that changes our plans a little bit. Um, but it doesn't seem like there's any 
theatrical run at all. Um, it's tough to nail down any specific details right now. Sometimes that happens with these things, especially when it comes to Europe. Like, we'll have no idea what's going on probably until the day. Do you remember what happened with Mortal Kombat after all during the uh, pandemic and we didn't know what was going on with that? But hopefully that's not quite the same situation here. Uh, Jordan, I don't know if you've had a chance to, you know, look at Death Island or talk about it even. Have you looked at the trailers or anything yet? I mean, I've, I sort of like dabbled in it, um, but I am way out of sync with most of the CG Resident Evil films. Sure. I think I watched the very first one, um, which was Degeneration, was it? Yes. Yeah. Um, and then uh, from that point, I kind of, yeah, I sort of lost lost track with them. Um, they seem like, you know, quite, you know, sort of fun sort of spin-off sort of entries, really. And um, But this one in particular, obviously, it's... It's obviously the most sort of compelling for the amount of main characters that are coming back together and yep. getting on screen together for, you know, sometimes possibly the, the first time or at least in this kind of uh, degree. Um, so it looks pretty cool. I mean, I would jump into it if I just basically didn't have to necessarily catch myself up MCU mm. style. Um, <laughs> and uh, if that is the case, then yeah, I'd like to check it out. I'm a little surprised that it's not out yet, though, because it feels like it's been talked about and sort of <laughs> shown for quite a while. Um, yeah. I didn't think that it would necessarily sort of have that amount of sort of turnaround from sort of like announcement to uh, release. But fair enough. Uh, I don't know if it's just them figuring out when when's the right time to market it and release it. And mm. if that is, then fair play. Uh, but yeah, hope it's a good one. Yeah, I mean, in terms of its release, um, it'll be out in Japan very shortly. As I say, it's only a couple of weeks away in that sense. But yeah, you're right. It has been a bit of an extended period, certainly. I don't think you'll need a lot of catch up with it. I don't think the first two CGI films are going to be necessarily relevant. But it is going to be... It's apparently a direct sequel to Resident Evil Vendetta. But how much it can stand alone, uh, I guess we'll find out when the film finally comes out. Um, Steve, any more thoughts on Death Island? Because this is probably, I assume, the last time we're going to be talking about it before we do get around to actually dissecting it. Yeah, still quietly like uh, excited. You know, not 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 jumping up, not bouncing off the walls, but excited because mm -hmm. in the you know getting the entire gang together kind of way. Uh, Ferdinand in the live chat actually has just pointed out that uh, at least in Amsterdam they are doing it in theatres, so we might be able to catch it here oh. somewhere. Um, I would recommend you know checking around on various websites for the places of your choice. Uh, but yeah, I. Uh, as much as I'm not, like, we haven't got to pretty much talking about these at length on the podcast overall yet, but right. the CGI films don't really uh, dominate much of my uh, Resident Evil fandom time, uh, my runtime for it, but, uh, yeah, I'm actually, yeah, I want, I want to see this and see what happens. I don't expect anything earth-shattering, but just having an Avengers moment where they all team up and fight some horrible thing should be pretty cool, innit? Mm, agreed. I will obviously... I'm sure many of us will kind of keep refreshing the feeds, uh, seeing if we get any information on sort of what the UK release situation is, or just, the, you know, in general. Um, and we'll try to keep people updated as we can um, on our Discord server and on social media as well, because it's worth keeping an eye out to see what you can do, because, yeah, it'd be cool for them to do one CGI release in the center and it does feel like with this kind of having that avengers moment in it this is probably the one that you would do it for uh james any more thoughts on death island nice <laughs> excellent okay cool uh thankfully that is all the news as steve has said because we have quite an episode to get into indeed it's finally time for resident evil outbreak 
And now, reading the file Diary of Barstar from Resident Evil Outbreak, Alexander Grace, who you can follow on Twitter at Reziot underscore VO. I hate these kids living in a next apartment. They sneak into this building via an access way on the roof almost every day and cause so much trouble. The day before yesterday, they closed the shutter on the third floor while I wasn't looking. Because of that, I couldn't go to the roof to get a package I needed. Then I got a good scolding from Jack. How ridiculous. It's not even my fault. I can't remember how many times they broke the locks that hold the sign to the chain link fence. However, I've welded it so that they will never be able to enter. If they should break it, I will sue them for damaging my property. You better watch your butts, kids. This is definitely one of the most requested uh, topics we've ever had for the podcast. Uh, people have wanted us to talk about Resident Evil Outbreak for a long time now. And it's been really about finding the right timing for it. Uh, because it required a little bit of prep time. And everyone sort of putting some time aside to play together. Which obviously we'll talk about as we go on with this. A little bit of background information. Although I'm sure most of you know it at this point. Uh, the game was first revealed at E3 2002 as Biohazard Online, later renamed Biohazard Outbreak, uh, Biohazard Network, then Biohazard Outbreak. Uh, the idea had actually been floating around at Capcom for a little while, uh, but you know, as is the Capcom way, they they're sort of willing to try anything that might be the next big thing. Sort of a positive version of that is doing the VR with PSVR and Oculus, but also sometimes uh, you sort of jump the gun a little bit with stuff like the Zebo and mobile games that don't necessarily blow up. But Capcom are willing to at least try things out. So this was an early foray into console internet connectivity. Uh, the game released in December 2003 in Japan, March 2004 in the US, and all the way in September 2004 in Europe. Uh, it's the first ever online game in the series, obviously, using the PlayStation 2 network adapter. And the server shut down in 2007, except for Europe, where the servers were never open. Uh, the game launched without any online capabilities, basically because of the difficulty of having servers across multiple different countries and languages. Capcom just sort of eventually had to give up on the idea, at least for now. There were mixed to positive review scores on launch. Uh, you know, looking at a lot of 70s over 100. Eurogamer gave it 5 out of 10. 1up.com C+. But GamePro gave it sort of 4 out of 5. Uh, GamesRadar gave it a 9. So, yeah, mixed or above. Um, either way, it remains a game that I think everyone sort of looks back on as the game to talk about to sort of show that you're a diehard fan. It's one of those interesting novelties for the wider world. Uh, but it's one that comes up a lot in the Resident Evil community in terms of what they'd like to see from the series in the future, be that a remake or the style of multiplayer that the series perhaps should return to. And again, I'm sure we'll dig into that. Before we talk about our most recent experience with Outbreak, obviously we'll go right back to everybody's first experiences. Steve, you sort of acted as our leader bean while we were playing this. You were guiding us through. So I imagine you had the most experience with Outbreak before we all got sort of gathered around the campfire recently. Do you remember your first memories of Outbreak? Uh, vaguely, yeah. It was a around a summer holiday during my college years and we'd picked it up on launch or around launch. And basically, me and a bunch of friends got a few beers and powered our way through the first two to three scenarios that night, got as far as the hive, and then quietly, politely turned it off and put CV on. 
<laughs> uh, it didn't leave a strong impression because as mm. much as we'd heard about how it being a, a community game, a multiplayer game, we didn't realise that we couldn't do it. <laughs> you know, we didn't realise it wasn't yeah. online. Um, even though, I don't think it ever dawned on us that we didn't have A, an online capable PS2, or mm. B, a multi-tap of any capacity. So, mm. you know, I'm not saying we're a bit thick in our college years, but we were drinking beer all the time for a reason. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it, I did go back to it eventually. I did with like the help of an action replay. I'm, I apologise to, to those who you know shun cheating, but I did use like that to get through the game and basically unlock all the various endings and various you know little cool little gummins within. So I did eventually rip it open, but that was more my own time over a, a few months. But yeah, initially lukewarm, warm to it a bit, but still thought it was a bit iffy. Right. Okay. Uh, Jordan, any experience with Outbreak before this year? Uh, no, none whatsoever. Even though I knew about it more or less from when it came out, mm. uh, I'd see it on shelves so much, or at least it was one of those games that sort of stuck out to me. Um, much like, uh, as I've previously mentioned about, I think, Gun Survivor 2 on, on the PlayStation 2. Certain cover arts just stand out, and I actually really liked uh, the Resident Evil Outbreak European cover with all the sort of like the arms stretched yeah. across a white background. It was really effective. But that is as far as my experience went with it because, uh, well, I had a P I did eventually get a PS2, and um, the first time I tried to use an online adapter when I had a fat PS2 and I bought the online adapter, it was so confusing that I just gave up. <laughs> then I got a PS2 Slim, which obviously was far more streamlined. You could just stick the ethernet in the back and you were more or less good to go but by that point um it, it was it was trying to find games that could go online and also yeah. trying to find games that you could go online with other people with uh the extent of my experience was either socom which i, I don't think i ever played that online um and star wars battlefront that was the only game i think i actually successfully got to play online <laughs> so I always thought, oh, like, I would love to be able to play Outbreak, but I didn't even realise there were actually sort of server issues in Europe with it. I just knew that at that point in my life, I didn't necessarily sort of, like, have the kind of social circles where we could arrange a very specific game on a very specific yeah. early online service like that. So it, it almost felt, like, mythical to me that there was this uh, 3D uh, online Resident Evil game, which is cooperative, like it, it seemed like it was ticking all kinds of weird boxes, which Resident Evil had never sort of like left the comfort zone to really touch upon yet mm -hmm. properly, all in one game, and yet here it all was, and I found that kind of like almost like hard to believe. But um, it's one of the it's one of the things about sort of being on this podcast is that I've been looking forward to this opportunity for us to cover it because it's like finally I get to sort of uncover the secrets yes. of this it, this ambitious game. Um, as I say that as experience after playing it, but also especially like just as knowing it for the last two decades, it's always come across like it was quite an ambitious game for its time. Mm. Um, and so yeah, just I don't know. It's 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 just ha it's it's had that sort of fascinating aura to it. I can relate to that a lot because, um, and I've said it before, like the great thing about First Aid Spray is I get to do a bunch of stuff that I wanted to do and haven't got around to. And Outbreak is probably the game in the series that I, yeah, I'd never played it properly. I had a little bit of experience with it before, but not really. Um, so being able to play it online with people was, I was like, I'm going to hold off on this until we can do it proper. Um, 
I do have some early memories with it. Quite a stark uh, image in my mind of a friend brought it to my house um, and I don't think they'd ever played a Resident Evil game before and I'm pretty confident to say they haven't played one since. So of all things, Resident Evil Outbreak seems especially weird. Maybe because of the lack of internet connectivity, maybe this game just wound up in a load of like bargain bins and sort of heavily discounted and stuff and they just got it on the cheap. Uh, but yeah, I have a very strong memory of playing below freezing point offline in my parents' front room sometime in the early 2000s, I guess, or mid-2000s, I guess. Um, and yeah, like you said, said, Steve, it's, I was quite lukewarm to it. I was like, this is recognisably a Resident Evil game, and there's a bunch of stuff about it that I should really like and should be really excited by. But I don't know, there's some stuff. And I kind of returned to it over the years and thought, yeah, that stuff, it's still kind of stuff-like, right? There's a lot of clunk <laughs> to this. I'm not really gelling with it maybe i need to wait to play it with actual people which we have now done thanks to the wonder of the biohazard of our outbreak fan servers it is possible it's actually quite easy there are guides out there to follow to get it set up for your pc obviously i can't necessarily point you in the right direction of anything in particular because of the laws surrounding uh, you know emulation and stuff like that I won't speak for everyone, but I think the general first aid spray vibe is if a company isn't going to make a game available to you with all the correct features and on the modern systems and whatever else, if we can't pay money for it, if there's a will, there's a way. Uh, <laughs> and it's also and, seemingly quite easy to get a hold of the actual game secondhand. Yeah. So if you do at least want to still oh, yeah, have you've... a copy, uh, you can still find them quite easy, at least. That is I mean, true in, this, well. in this instance, I have been using my discs the entire time. So oh, there you go. We're, we're good on that front. I've been using two discs, sure. then. <laughs> well, there you go, then. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yes, thankful to all the people that have set that up and keep that maintained, for sure. It's uh, allowed us to be able to play Outbreak as originally intended, um, as it never was in Europe, obviously, as we've said. Um, so let's get into it. Let's start with the gameplay, I think, because it's quite interesting in terms of its release it being in 2003, 2004. It makes it really the end of classic Resident Evil, if you want to call it that. Everyone points to Remake and Zero being the last fixed camera angle. And obviously they have the, you know, uh, pre-generated backgrounds and stuff like that. Whereas Outbreak relies on the 3D backgrounds that you get from Code Veronica. But this is the last sort of fixed camera angle game or this in its sequel. Um, so it lands at a really interesting spot just before Resident Evil 4. Just before the Capcom deal with uh, the GameCube. Um, so it's in a really weird historical spot for that reason. So let's talk about the way that it plays. James, how do you feel about the gameplay of Resident Evil Outbreak at its most basic, I guess? Uh, I want to talk about like my initial reaction to that game of course because my initial reaction was i hate this yes i remember um, that i really was not getting on with it um it was so hard to move anywhere mm -hmm. and like it was not a limitation or a skill issue it was a tank control issue mm -hmm. like and it's something that i'm not really familiar with and yeah it was very frustrating but eventually i learned that circle was run and <laughs> I managed to, uh, yeah, run and get em to emphasis my... on eventually. Yeah, <laughs> like honestly, guys, it was like halfway through the mission before. No, actually, we failed a mission, gone to the next mission, and uh, then I was told there was a button for run. So then immediately the game became like two hundred percent better. 
Mm. Um, but it was still rough. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, but over like the over time of just playing the game, you get used to the controls. Um, you do the thing like kind of my the memories of me playing remake one came back. And I started just surfing walls because that's what you do in the original RE games. You don't actually walk like a normal person. You just <laughs> glide your cheeks along the walls. Um, yeah, and I, I managed to kind of get the hang of it. And I was basically the ambulance yep. um, for everybody. I uh, I hoarded all of the herbs and I gave I stuffed these herbs down people's throats whenever they needed it. Um, I also had a duck dodge that I never used. <laughs> um, yeah and I mean, it was fo- so funny because our, our second time playing this game our second evening um, I'd done some kind of research online and I learned like the little things they'd added to try and help the online experience like the yelling so you could see everybody right. on the map and things mm-hmm. um, I yeah and I started to really see the potential of the gameplay like, and where it could go. Mm. Um, it's still not great. <laughs> but yeah. I always say this, and I'll probably say it at the end too, that this game was made way before its time. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of its gameplay, for sure. Because that's what was keeping it back. Um, for me. Like There were other things, but mainly it was like the network play and uh, the fact that you didn't have like an advanced controller... Uh, to move around with, you know, and valid, you know, people were valid if they say, well, that's part of the the horror of it. And I agree it was because I was terrified every room I was in (laughs) being munched on. Um, And it was simply because I couldn't get away from things. I didn't know, guys, that you had to wiggle your analog stick until like the third time we played. Like, (laughs) I didn't know that at all. Right. So that, you know, I was learning as I went and it really felt like a cool... Uh, it felt like a, a brand new game that you just get and even though the game is over 20... Oh, it's 20 years now, right? Yeah. 20 years old. It felt like a brand new game and I was learning as I was going and that's a nice experience with a video game. Mm. Like, I, I know you probably behind the screens right now say, well, don't you just do that with all video games? But it's like so evident in Outbreak. Yeah. Like, because there's just so many things that the game doesn't tell you. And I, I actually love that with video games, when they don't tell you some things, but they give you the basics. It's nice mm. discovering things as you go. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, overall, like, it just, as I've said, the roller coaster was very low at the start. But then as I start discovering things, I started to love it more and more and more and more and more. And then it, it then the potential surpassed the gameplay itself. And I was like, why don't we have a remake of this game? <laughs> that's definitely a topic for later down the line um, yeah there are a bunch of stuff there that we absolutely need to get into um, in terms of like being ahead of its time and stuff like that the advantage of the fact that we were playing it together and we could tell you oh yeah you know there's a run button or whatever as you say the game doesn't teach you that you know maybe it's in the manual whatever it's very like a very obvious thing right but we could just say it to you of a voice chat but when the game came out nearly 20 years ago there's no voice chat in this game as you said there you get the ability to sort of like call out to players and say follow me wait all the usual stuff with a flick of the stick which is nice because it shows where you are on the map to everyone else uh, but that's the only way you can communicate with players when the game 
comes out because there's no voice chat at this point in gaming. There was so there was no way there was no voice chat really at all on the internet. Like maybe an aim call or you know or whatever MSN call maybe, but uh, that so it doesn't have the advantage of that. Whereas we obviously got to do that, and it made a big difference to make it more enjoyable. I. I'm like you, I, one of the things that turned me off the game for a long time was the controls. And I am, you know, a big fan of the OG games, perfectly happy and perfectly comfortable with, you know, Resident Evil 2 and stuff like that. Uh, the tank controls for there, even like Code Veronica, which is also set on 3D backgrounds, perfectly comfortable with that. Outbreak, I always struggled. I don't know what it is. There's just something about it that's just kind of sloppy. And eventually, you kind of get used to it but you don't ever actually stop spinning on the spot sometimes. Yeah. Like you go in and out of the same screen back and forth because the game has decided actually this way is forward now. And I just like, there was something about it that was just weird to me and I can't even quite put my finger on it. I, and it seems to be a growing thing that I'm finding with 3D tank control games. I seem to have these issues, but yeah. I think uh, I think I can say one word that definitely was a huge proponent of that and that was menus. Yes, that was absolutely the next thing I was going to say. It was like yeah. a barrier between you and enjoying the game. Oh, the amount of times I had to... I was like, no, I don't want to click that. And then it would have a delay. And you're like, no, okay, I want to switch over. There's a delay. You just cancelled your action. Oh, <laughs> it was so frustrating. Yeah. yeah, it's... You're right, the delay. I hadn't even thought about that, but that's absolutely a fact. There is no pause in this, obviously, because it's an online game. So when you're in the inventory, all the action is going on around you, which is scary as it should be but also frustrating because you add that delay and just like having to go in and out and there's so many different versions of options where you can heal someone by holding down a first aid spray with them in front of you but you can't just like jam a herb at them you have to give it to them right i think i don't mm-hmm. know but like yeah yeah it's like why is it one way for one and not one for the, for the other just stuff like that <laughs> was just finicky and annoying to get your head around once you got there it was okay uh, but by today's standards, there's a quality of life improvements that need to be in there, you know, obviously. But obviously, we're talking about a 20-year-old game, so it's going to happen. <laughs> um, Steve, how did you find picking out Breakup after all these years in terms of the controls and the way the game plays? Uh, well, I kind of, I feel like I adapted a little bit faster than everybody else because obviously previous experience, even though I yeah, cheated my way through. Um, but <laughs> I think if you have any uh, any NAS, any any experience with playing the original trilogy... Uh, at least at a surface level, you'll at least you'll you'll start okay. Mm. Uh, but each character, I mean, each character in this respect, in this respect, is basically a class in more modern terms, right? And they all have their own unique, mostly have their own unique defense slash evasion move, an offensive skill or a utility, which you know diversifies the cast and makes it a little bit more interesting. For me, that's what makes it because these are, although yes, they're all unique characters with own lore and story, but it makes. It's so you can have your own like team, your own role in the squad. And it's more so than... like In a modern game like Left 4 Dead, mostly it's down to who picks up what guns. And that's literally the only flavour of uniqueness you've got. Um, you know, Whereas in this, each character can do different things, can operate th- certain things, sometimes get advances in puzzles. You know, th- In fact, yeah, the fact that this has got all these set scenarios and puzzles into it makes it a lot more engaging for me uh, than your mm. more modern co-op shooter affair, right? Uh, I'm not trying to cart before the horse, but I just feel like, like everyone else already said, gee, it's a bit ahead of its time, this. Um, But again, it's still got a lot of, compared to the original trilogy especially, a lot of jankiness. Yeah, Um, yeah. You know, the the, the net connectivity can make it so that you are being rubber banded around. And Mm. that unfortunately can lead you to having what I would feel a lot of unfair cheap shots where I was fine one second, and all of a sudden the zombie has appeared on me and has taken... Two thirds of my health. 
mm. and now I'm down or now I'm separated from the group and that I, that kind of thing could be probably iron out with the like the right kind of net code and advances that we've made since but in this particular case it really it can harm the gameplay experience especially for mm. me and yeah. the we got the lucky because we were playing it on lower difficulties but so we were just kind of laughing it off but if you were actually like playing on harder difficulties and it's going to be really restrictive about time and stuff that could really mess you up absolutely exactly and the baked in ad-libs while cool and let your characters say certain things they don't really offer much in the way of actually communicating your teammates and they are more for flavor entertainment other than come here give this take this you know, um, at the AI is abysmal. Like, people complain about Sheva. They've got nothing on the AI gang in Outbreak, God, my God. Yeah. The, the, as people panicking in a zombie apocalypse, that's very authentic, I think. Right, you know, <laughs> I would probably run around like a headless chicken, but geez, Louise, they are awful. Uh, it, it can borderline ruin the experience. This is, a gameplay-wise, it's online and nothing. Yeah, for sure. And obviously that was a big impact on us as European players where we just you buy this and you play it and you're like, this is, yeah, I don't know. The AI was a big factor for me as well, just like making the game feel really dull without other people to play with. But in terms of the voice lines, Steve, you missed out the best one. Like the one that I was just like, well, I'm going to spam this for the next couple of hours. Every time I got a chance to play as Mark, it was all about, help me! Um, <laughs> well, normally it's uh, get ready with the clicker. Um, you know, Jim saying, my life is bleep. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Over and over and over again. <laughs> uh, Jordan, how did you feel about the way the Outbreak plays? Well, uh, first of all, I will say that all of my experience comes entirely from online play, thankfully. Yeah. Um, so I got to play, you know, Resident Evil Outbreak as God intended, or at least as <laughs> Ichiro Sasaki intended. Yeah. Um, so that was obviously a, a big positive because I actually got to see more or less what the original vision was for this game. Um, I feel particularly bad for people who had to have that first experience using, uh, you know, only the AI uh, teammates, you know, especially like back in the day. Uh, it would be, you know, quite sort of demoralizing to maybe kind of pick up a game and think, oh, well, you know, they wouldn't include this offline mode if it wasn't, you know, up to scratch. But yeah, unfortunately, even, even nowadays, there's a lot of dumb AI teammates mm. and uh, you can't you can't do a whole lot about that but thankfully that was not my experience and uh, while I was very much looking forward to playing Outbreak I was a little bit anxious about it because of the experience of it as a sort of like an online game um, I was worried that uh, you know the fact that you can't pause that you you can't necessarily really go at your own personal pace that you might have in like other Resident Evil games, you know, you're sort of, you're, you know, you're basically sort of, uh, you're needing to push on, you're needing to keep moving. These are quite short scenarios. Obviously, playing online, you're depending on others, others are depending on you, so you, I worried about all these different kind of things, and like, oh, I'm going to be so bad at this, I feel like I'm going to derail uh, the missions and experiences and stuff like that, I don't want to put a damper on this if I'm just simply not good at it. Um... But once, like, we went through a couple of scenarios, it, it suddenly just clicked with me. I was like, oh, this is, this is basically like Left 4 Dead in a, in a lot of ways. And that mm -hmm. it's sort of like these short form uh, scenarios that you're just, you're basically sort of meant to push through. There might be a couple of objectives. I mean, with Resident Evil Outbreak especially, there's a lot more objectives and, uh, you know, different things that you need to sort of like pick up and combine and look for and such. Um, once I got past that, I realized, well, you know, it's kind of crap in 
Left 4 Dead when I first started playing it. It wasn't about being good on your first try. It was about actually doing those short missions over and over and starting to really kind of grind out what is your best uh, character choice, what is your best strategy, how you approach it, how you set up the team and stuff like that. And I found that we were doing that as well, that we were actually sort of, we were starting to realize what made the most sense and, uh, you know, like for items, who who it made most sense to give items to and when we should, you know, split up to be able to sort of like just, you know, break down the amount of objectives that we need to clear based on the time that we have left. All that stuff started to come together and it really started to sort of click with me. Um... So, I mean, as far as sort of like the actual sort of core experience of playing it, uh, it's a weird one because I didn't necessarily find the controls as jarring as I would expect. And I really don't know why that is because it's not like I'm playing classic Resident Evil every weekend. Uh, it's it's obviously something that I am versed with, but to kind of go back to it, I was surprised with how easily I got used to it, which might just speak to my own personal tolerance for it. Um... I don't think it necessarily would fly if you were to just kind of make a straight-up port of this game now and give it to modern audiences who not only are not used to traditional tank controls, but they're not used to tank controls that don't really have much enhancement. I mean, you can use the analog stick, and uh, that, that makes it a little bit easier to sort of navigate than you used to with a sort of D-pad, but that mm-hmm. is obviously very minimal difference to uh, the otherwise the controls. And yeah, to echo the sentiments, the actual sort of... Uh, item management and the and the menus just in general they they were the big sort of sticking point it's one of those things where it's like it seems so obvious now that that would be something that would be um you know put aside to the d-pad obviously back yeah. in 2004 they had plans for the d-pad they still wanted to use the d-pad for other stuff and uh, it wasn't obvious obvious to most developers that that was the way forward for inventory management yet it was going to get to that point, obviously, in just a few years. But, uh, yeah, everything that I kind of came away with, I sort of, like... It wasn't like it was, like, overwhelmingly positive. It wasn't like I was saying, oh, this is just a hidden gem. Like, it's been it's been missing all this time, and it's got all these fantastic things, and how do people not play this, you know, all the time? Um, it's It's got a lot of solid concepts. It's a really sort of solid concept as a game that... Um, we'll probably talk more in the conclusion, but it, like it's something that Capcom absolutely needs to come back to, and uh, you know understand the sort of appreciation that can be there for it. I do have to give a shout out to the fact that there are so many external factors, however, that have also played a big role in my such a positive experience. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's the fact that I'm playing it online, and I'm playing it with a group of friends who. You know, we're going to be sort of playing it repeatedly, and we're sort of like we're going to grow with the game together, and we're starting to make plans. We have voice chat. That's another thing that you just wouldn't have had back in the day. And also, yeah, again, big credit to the community that's actually made playing this online again possible, um, and to do it on sort of modern platforms and play it on PC. Uh, it's just excellent I'm, I'm so glad that something like this is out there because it's otherwise just a game that would be sort of lost um but yeah I, I i really kind of like was surprised how well uh it plays for the kind of game that it is and uh yeah i, I got on well with it 
you talking about using the inventory uh, and the D-pad set my design brain off immediately. Like I can obviously, if, you know, you got quick access items in so many games. But Outbreak, literally, for the most part, every character has four inventory spaces, so it is actually perfect to put that on the D-pad. That absolutely should be a thing if the series ever comes back or something like it. Uh, it would work really, really well. Um, and there's loads of stuff like that because obviously we complained about the inventory being a little bit, you know, annoying and for all the little issues that we might have raised there's also like a bunch of there's equally as many like oh this is really neat things about it and there'll probably be loads of those that come up over the sort of remainder of this recording but in terms of gameplay i don't know if anyone had any other positives or even really any other negatives like i've got one on either side uh starting with the negative first is i should point out as well we didn't have again we didn't have this problem uh because we were playing the japanese version of the game because uh, that's what you need in order to play it online, but with an English patch. Uh, playing the PAL version on sort of natively on the actual PS2, the load times are brutal, excessive. It was a massive turnoff. I remember now playing it uh, back then, just trying to understand where I was going and what I was doing, and every load screen would take you know 20, 30 seconds or something absurd. It was horrific. So thank God we didn't have to deal with that now. Uh, but in terms of the positive, something that needs to get shouted out real quick while we're talking about gameplay, you can play as a zombie. <laughs> and you inevitably might play as a zombie if things go horribly for you because there is the virus gauge to keep players sort of moving along so they're not just kind of like dawdling and sort of wasting time and taking advantage of the fact you need to keep moving. Um, so yes, the more attacks you take, the higher, the, virus, the higher the virus gauge goes up, but also it just rises slowly over time. And if it takes you over and you aren't helped... Uh, yeah, you come back as a zombie. And yeah, you can just sort of stand around and make sure your players, your fellow players, uh, can potentially finish the objectives without you there, if they're right near the end, perhaps. Or, alternatively, if you're playing online with a bunch of strangers, perhaps more so, you can decide to attack them and nom on them, which is really neat. And I think this might be the only game in the series where you can play as some kind of infected creature uh, outside of, you know, RE6's mercenary modes and weird stuff like that. But as an actual zombie, that's pretty neat. It's um, so bizarre any... to first... Sorry, go on, Jordan. It's so bizarre to, like, first get infected. and you. I was just thinking I was going to actually just lose control and it was yeah. going to be sort of like one of these frustrating things where all of a sudden I'm completely hampering it for anybody else who hasn't already been infected. Um, so when you can then actually control it and you can just be like, well... I'll, I won't harm anybody. I'll just go over here. I'll just stumble <laughs> over here as a zombie. It's the weirdest thing. It's like, oh, I'm going to be one of those placid zombies. I'll try and be good. He's a vegetarian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's the name from Day of the Dead? The zombie that's nice-ish or learns? <sighs> oh, Bob. Bob. Yeah, that's the one. It's a Bob moment. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, Steve... if Bob has the key arms, you've got to kill him first. That's right. Any more positive gameplay stuff, Steve, that you want to just touch uh, on before we move on? Uh, honestly, I, I like the fact that there are various hidden hotkeys uh, that aren't don't seem to be in the manual, or at least if they are, I never found them. Um, which, when you learn, can change the game a little bit. For example, just going into your inventory and pressing square on something will immediately put your character's hand out. You don't have to yes. press like the present button. Uh, you can just mash the L1 button with weapon equipped, and you just shove around in to reload. I mean, it sounds normal now, right? Games normally have those kind of things, but the fact that there are little hidden little things when you compare it to the original classic Resident Evil games is kind of neat. And mm -hmm. the virus gauge, I feel it's a it's a 50-50 double-edged sword for me because I love how it's a motivational factor to get moving and every hit counts 
you know, you could you could heal yourself back to full health from danger, but all that virus damage is still there for the mm. rest of the scenario. Unless you're on the final scenario, but that's different. Um, you know, it's it's good as a motivator, but I feel like it's unfair that you start active straight away. I feel like you should take a hit first. Mm. Um, may, maybe that's just me being like, well, I didn't get bit, so why do I feel sick? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I... I that and the, the ad-lib system being so ridiculous, it still works while you're a zombie. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> but you were saying there about the pressing square to present an item to another player. I, I, you know, this speaks to what you were saying, James, about discovering stuff about the game because I had that moment midway through all of our playthrough. I was like, oh, I can do this. I didn't know that was a thing. Awesome. And it felt really good. You're right. Uh, James, any more positive little takeaways about little moments of gameplay that sort of you know struck you as really cool and interesting and unique because i feel like there's a lot of random bits in this game that are like oh that's super cool oh and you can break the puzzles yeah oh yeah i mean we had some really cool moments just personally like that I, i i think i can kind of speak about not in depth about those moments but outbreak has moments you will remember like it has yeah. it, it has that game I don't know what you call it, game feel, I don't know. The gamer memory. You, you just like there's a core memory that is unlocked when something is going so terribly awful, but you manage to like crawl out and like we had a particular moment right at the end of the game, which we'll go into later, I assume, I like I Yeah, imagine. I think so, yeah. Right. And but it was so good. Like it was like I, all of us were doing something right and we were all keeping busy um to put another, another ne- negative and it's not really a negative it's just like what i hope to see and why uh, maybe someone's done it already but can you imagine this game with like with proximity chat like and yeah that'd be great yeah because the amount of times we sat there on discord and we go where are you where are you? Where are you? Where are you at? <laughs> you know, and we'll go. Um, um. So you then have to go through the menus, go to the the map. Ah, oh, I'm in the room that is. <laughs> yeah. And it's like you know, proximity chat sh- could fix that. And another negative is I don't like that you could turn into a zombie because there's no reward for it. <laughs> like, there's literally like, but this is like th- this was the first game that did anything like that, really. Like, and mm. so I can, I'm not going to knock it down points, but it would have been cool, or if there is going to be made, you know, something in the future, it would be called it cool if you could have like a, kind of an Among Us thing, you know? Yeah, um, it's suddenly your goal to ruin everyone else's day. Exactly, you know, yeah. uh, like, you know, like Mario's, Mario whatever party, you know, you, you all become, <laughs> like, you won't be ever friends again once you play Outbreak <laughs> Remake, you know. It, it would be great because I, 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 when I became a zombie, I just stopped moving and I just died. Like, I, because I, there was no reward for me to, like, kill yeah, you guys sure. at all. Um, yeah, so that, I, that's the only things. I'm sure there's more other things, but this game is so deep, to be honest. Mm hmm. Yeah, in terms of those core sort of memory moments, for sure, I just wanted to shout out, because I alluded to it at the beginning of the show there, but I'll never forget, because we sort of got it all sorted out independently, one by one, and Steve and I tested it, and it was like, that's great, then we played a quick bit with James, and then Jordan, the first time he got on, we played Outbreak, the first scenario, and Steve was just like running ahead, 
there's a moment where you have to set fire to a bunch of oil coming out of a tanker to sort of stave off the giant horde and it didn't check that James and Jordan who were very new to the game uh, had crossed a sort of safety line and that's where it ended <laughs> and you <laughs> I, I the the just, just set fire to everyone <laughs> so I, yeah I just thought it was a, an amazing lot of moment I was like wow yeah this game's I mean, great in terms of gameplay moments like that there was, uh, below freezing point, there's a point where you need to open a hatch to get a valve wheel, and this involves getting a wrench and unfreezing it. <laughs> yeah. However, me and Sai were, like, dodging a zombie, and it gives you these, like, exploding vial things. And I just threw the vial, missed the zombie completely, and blew the hatch wide open. I'm like, oh, cool, I've just saved us ten minutes of faff. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, stuff like that that can happen, I think, is fun. Um, mm. I'm sure there is a particular other sets of stories, but I'll let, I'll let the rest of the gang have those. Uh, Jordan, any more positives and negatives for gameplay or any particular moments as a highlight? Um, I think we'll probably get more into it in the scenarios, really. Yeah. Uh, but um, no, I, I think it's just it's clever how things can kind of come together, especially towards the ends of the missions, um, and it feels like it really sort of pays off. I suppose one thing I can say is that sort of like the difficulty um, can vary wildly. Uh, obviously there's a couple of different difficulty settings that you can have for the missions just in general um, and the sort of the the steep curve between them can be quite large uh, but I just I found that like certain missions in particular were sort of like even when we were playing on sort of on easier difficulties it was pretty tough like yes you'd have yeah. to really sort of coordinate because there's a lot of resource draining um, and uh, there might be certain sort of like stalker enemies that you know you have to face in some way or other and if you're not losing resource in your ammo you're losing it in your health and if you're not losing it in your health you're losing it in time mm. um, so it's a, it's a surprising one because even if you do have um, people who are sort of knowledgeable of the game and sort of maybe done a couple of runs on the mission um, it can still be tough to coordinate things and actually get over the finish line on, on at least some of the missions. Some of them were actually a lot more straightforward than I thought. Mm. So it's interesting. I don't know if they made that as a sort of design or if that's just maybe a little bit of imbalance within within the missions themselves just because, uh, yeah, some of them are, are a bit more littered with enemies than others. So I don't know. Yeah, we. it's worth saying that we played on sort of some of the lower difficulties. Um and because, as you're right, some of the harder ones are extremely hard. Not even the harder ones. Some of the sort of middling ones onwards are extremely hard. Um, and a perfect example of that is Below Freezing Point, where when we played it on the easiest difficulty, there's like a three-minute timer before the final boss where there's meant to, meant to be a bunch of hunters spawning basically continuously. Um, and on easy, nothing spawned at all. We just stood around for three minutes. And on normal, it was just like a truckload of hunters. And you're pretty much, it felt like you're basically doomed unless you use the pokey hiding spot, which seemed to just kind of like solve the entire issue, which is nice. But stuff like that. There's like certain BOWs that only spawn in harder difficulties, which is a shame that we didn't get a chance to experience them this time around. But yeah, Outbreak is just one of those games that you can continually go back to, as you say, and sort of... Yeah, continue to work on your strategy and then eventually jump up some difficulties. So who knows down the line that could happen. But yeah, let's let's talk about scenarios then. There's five in the game uh, to get through, all with their own sort of uh, spin on 
things. We've got a different location, different BOWs, different goals and that kind of stuff. So we'll just go through them and everyone can say their piece slightly uh, on each scenario. So the first one being Outbreak, which is a run from a bar through streets, rooftop. I think it's meant to be sort of like an overarching, this is Raccoon City kind of feel. Feels very based on RE2's sort of like quick brief tease of the city before you get to the RPD. Um, in that way, it's very similar. And also it's very similar to RE2's because it's immediate hysteria when it starts. Um, Jordan, what did you think of Outbreak, the scenario? This is the one I thought I would probably be drawn to the most because it's one of those ones where, you know, there's, <laughs> there's never enough Raccoon City that you can get a hold of, to be Agreed. quite honest. You know, yeah. to go back through those streets because so so often it's just in ever crisis. So you're just constantly running and escaping. And uh, to be fair, that is exactly what's happening here. Um, but I'll be honest, it didn't necessarily stick with me as much. Um, maybe it is just because... Uh, quite frankly, since then, there has been other games that have covered Raccoon City and, and running around it and, um, you know, quite frankly, didn't, <laughs> in higher fidelity and better visuals mm. and such. Um, but it was, no, it was cool. It's just, I think I, I think I like some of the other scenarios a bit better. Mm. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, I think, personally, that it's not actually a really good place to start because of how mad it is out of the gate. Um, it's it's quite punishing, really. Like I I felt like when we started getting our bearings was below freezing point, which feels like in its in a way, it's a it's a more suitable starting point. But I also absolutely get what they were going for. Um, there are some cool set pieces in Outbreak as a, the scenario, uh, but as an entry point, it's a bit too mad right out of the gate. It's like very easy to feel overwhelmed. Um, James, is that how you felt about it? Uh, the first scenario? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I do have like some maybe improvements for that. Like I, because of how manic it was and how, how like that, the, the high kind of, I don't even want to say mechanics, just the, all the things you needed to learn you know, about that yeah. game. It was such a crazy way to start that scenario. What I would have liked is if, like, there was just a soft entry, like, where you just, nothing's really happening right now. You're just kind of picking things up. You know, you're hearing about it on the news, mm -hmm. you know, and I would have loved that instead because then immediately when you start that level, it's all guns blazing it's like woo woo you know there's just everything's going off and you know you have to be so fast um even on the the easy difficulties and that can be a problem mm. um but once you've played it a couple times just like any game really and i suppose that it kind of speaks to the game in this way yeah because once you've played it a couple times you've got it like it's, yeah, you know what you're looking for, even if, for example, where you start in the bar, you're looking for a key to get upstairs. The key can kind of be anywhere around the yeah. bar. But once you at least know what you're doing, you can get through that sweep pretty quickly. Yeah, it's it's really linear. Like, yes, it's, it is, like yeah. Once you know, kind of, well, and even if you don't know, there, there are places to go. There is nowhere else to go. You're always going to be walking in one direction. Um and uh, yeah, uh, as, as, that is good for a first level. It's just I just don't like the beginning of it. The rest of the rest of it was fine. Like mm. I, re I really liked the rest of it. It was just that beginning was so hectic. Agreed. Yeah, there's got some cool moments like boarding up the open doorway, uh, which almost sort of gives you a rest, but not really. You don't really yeah. get a proper chance to sort of 
yeah, as I say, get your bearings so much with this one because it is a straight run, 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 run. No, really, run. Um, Steve, how do you feel about the outbreak scenario? Uh, similar as everybody else, I feel like as a starter level, it's incredibly brutal first time through, mm. uh, which is ironic because when it comes to File 2, they did make a tutorial level and it's based on like a more simplified version of this scenario. Oh, right. Funny, funny that. Uh, but now I like... Uh, going over, like, once we've learned the main mechanics, the idea that the team basically barricades the bar, sweeps for a key, and then keeps progressing forward and finding ways to waylay the zombies so they can get further out, it actually kind of gives me more of a board game feel. Like, yes. Uh, especially yeah. the, the uh, RE3 board game, where you, you can, like, do deal with barricades and things like that. Mm. Um, it's neat in that regard, and it's a lot more set PC and less puzzle-heavy than the latest scenarios. There is, like, a puzzle to get a magnum, there is a all the rest of it is just like finding key for thing, and then you move forward, uh, which is is it's is, it's okay for what it is because you're basically running from zombies, waylaying the zombies, then get an encounter with some policemen, move some vans, shoot some stuff, and then you're blowing the entire street so you can have a flawless victory. You know it's <laughs> it's pretty neat in that regard, but it's not very deep. Uh, the, my favorite part about the entire scenario really is the fact that you get these small unique vignettes depending on which character you play as right at the start, so you can see exactly what they were doing. Uh, which is it's like gives you a little insight to the character. For example, Mark is with his friend Bob, who's boring and a dead weight and completely useless, and no one should ever waste the time saving him, especially on hard because it comes a zombie and bites you, and it's not. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm losing him. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's even an optional character you can quote unquote save. That's neat, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so below freezing point is next, which uh, this I feel like, as I sort of said before, I think this scenario is a really good example of what outbreak is. Like and what it does really well, like even though it is a slower pace, it does put the tension on a little bit because almost immediately you kind of get split up from the group. Two people end up on one floor, uh, and other people end up on a separate floor. You have to find each other, and then eventually all find each other as a big group, um, which is cool. We get to work separately a little bit and then work together and find your way through Birkin's lab, the additional floors of Birkin's lab, and a brief return to a couple of familiar rooms in Resident Evil 2, which is really cool. This is one of my favourites. It Obviously, it really helps that it's in a familiar location that I really love anyway from the series and that kind of stuff. Um, and it has the moth, so you got to love it for that. Uh, but yeah, in terms of... This is a bit more pace-wise what I like about it. There's puzzles to do and there's some tension with tight corridors and being temporarily split up from people and there's an overarching sort of couple of puzzles to solve by mixing chemicals classic resident evil and eventually sort of uh defrosting the frozen parts of the lab which obviously will then sort of factor into resident evil 2 a little bit and uh unleashing the hunters uh, steve how do you feel about uh freezing point i think i'm losing my electric pressure uh, no, I <laughs> genuinely think it's the uh, the best of the as I start a scenario. This one wouldn't have made sense to go first, but should have been first. Yeah, uh, sure. and for all the reasons you've said, I, I love the fact that you know you actually get to see the hunters beforehand. You see they're frozen, so you fully know as a player exactly what you're about to unleash on yourselves. And if you have the foreknowledge of what those things are, if you've played a Resident Evil game before, that brings a lot of apprehension. Where right, we should find weapons, we should tool up, we should like prepare. Uh, it's a shame that the, the siege with the Hunters is kind of locked onto higher difficulties uh, because I feel like even a hint of that would have been something to, you know, kind of pay it off a bit. Although mm. I am surprised it's not liquors, considering where we are and where yeah. it's set. 
Another great thing is the fact that we don't really spend too much time in the quote-unquote classic rooms. Most of the rooms are expanded new rooms, so as to, you know, not spoil the original feel of RE2's lab. But he's also believable as an extension. Um, the added villain character, uh, Monica, is a bit of a mess. I like <laughs> her as... You know, harmonica. Yeah, the, the evil, the evil scheming umbrella scientist out to get her own edge in the scenario. Uh, it will be a running theme uh, throughout the outbreak games, but in this particular case, she just feels like a bit of a mean, nasty, bumbling idiot. <laughs> yeah, her and her electric pressure, as you said. Um, yeah, I kind of agree with that last point. Although I do appreciate that we get another encounter with a G, a failed G creature, because she gets infected somewhere off screen and suddenly births uh, sort of a G adult that you fight as the final boss. A big old sort of two-legged, standing up straight sort of situation uh, in a very classic location where you do the boss as well. But you're right in terms of not overdoing, hey, remember this room? You're kind of passing through them, and everything new connects very well to it. Um, Jordan, how do you feel about Below Freezing Point? I quite liked it. Uh, I think it's... It's stronger in its second half than it is in the first, because in the first part, uh, especially if you're sort of like experiencing it for the first time, getting split up, it does feel like it could take a little while for everybody to sort of have their bearings and know exactly what they need to do in order to progress. And um, there, there can sometimes be a kind of a case of sort of running around and double checking things. Has somebody, has, has somebody got this code yet? Has somebody inputted the code yet has somebody taken this chemical or have we got this chemical to mix and stuff like that so it can be a, a, a little bit sort of uh, trying in that first area just because you want to start sort of uh, progressing upwards and um, you end up just sort of kind of floating around some of the same hallways and areas and they're, mm. they're very samey at the start mm. um, obviously I think if you go back you you don't necessarily have to worry so much about how much time that's going to take away from your overall gameplay because you'll you kind of know most of the puzzles that you need to solve in order to progress but yeah the whole second half is sort of where <laughs> what you come to see really um and it is especially fun once you start to get to the halls where you you know you have all these frozen hunters that are just you know they're just chilling there pun intended that they're just they're just sort of watching you yeah yeah you you, you go around you go try and solve these puzzles we'll be with you in just a second um and i i like that as a sort of a a, a tease um uh i i i've seen the boss but i've not fought the boss myself um so i can only sp i can only speak to a certain amount but I, unfortunately i can't remember what difficulty we were playing uh that that stage on but there were definitely hunters a lot of them, yeah. <laughs> and we got murked so I think we were playing uh, yeah. normal um, yeah, yeah um, we nearly made it to the end. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so I think it was just a case that I, I think it was like pretty close to the transport moving, um, but uh, yeah, managed to get offed by one of the hunters just before then. <laughs> so yeah, it's quite it's quite sort of uh, backloaded really um, as a sort of a mission. It, it progressively sort of gets better and it comes into its own more as it sort mm. of expands on those areas and starts sort of you know bringing its own twists and stuff. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a solid mission. Uh, Mr. Owlet, any thoughts on Monica and Below Freezing Point? I love Monica because I think she's <laughs> she's so cartoon evil. Harmonica. Yeah. Harmonica. <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> let's say nice sixty nine times. Um, let's see the contract. <laughs> um, Good luck. 
Yeah, I I really liked her because she was just stupid. Like she was really silly. There was there was clearly like somebody who came into the writing board and just said, "We need an evil person." All right, I got you, boss. Like five minutes before development, you know, before he actually goes to the voice act actress, you know, <laughs> here you go, here's an evil person. Not oh, easy, you know. I only get like seven lines, um, but the the lines she the lines she she did were very. They felt very Resident Evil. Every playthrough yeah. we did, we all mentioned the electric pressure line. In the <laughs> <laughs> and like you know, the, there's the cheesiness of her. Um, like reminded me a lot of uh, like the original trilogy, like and like the cheesy lines from those games. Yeah, like it, I think that's why I liked her so much. Like she wouldn't have fit into the narrative of like recent games, for instance. I would have said no, I don't like her because she doesn't fit the theme and stuff. But she fit Outbreak perfect. Yeah, I think so. Like for me, I I I don't really have a bad thing to say about her because she, yeah, she was a she was a good villain to for that moment. Uh, for me, uh, including her electric pressure. <laughs> um, okay, cool. The next scenario is The Hive. Uh, not to be confused with, of course, The Hive from the Resident Evil film that came out um, a year or two beforehand. Obviously, that's what they're going for, though, with the name. Uh, nonetheless, there is some bugs in this hive, some leeches specifically, not to be confused with the leech man from Resident Evil Zero. Uh, but it does take place in the hospital from Resident Evil 3, and I find exactly what you said about the uh, Birkin's lab, Steve. Same thing here. There are a couple of rooms, I think like two, really, that you pass through. You're like, oh, this is cool, I remember this. And the rest of it's brand new, and it just it really bolts on perfectly. Um, James, how did you feel about the hospital level, the hive? Hate it. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> it was so... I don't like saying the word hate, actually. I'm going to rescind that. I just really dislike that that level. Like, it is... Uh, it's so convoluted. Like, because that level, I think, might have the most annoying loading screens. I think that's right. what made it worse, because you would go up an elevator, and then you'd have to, like, go through a bunch of doors to get to more elevators. Yeah, and, okay. Like, and on, on top of that, like, there was trying to find your team. You know, one person might have said 1B, another person might have said 2B, and then you're like, oh, I, I don't know, quite hear, I couldn't hear what you said, and then the leech man comes. Right. You know, and the way to kill that guy is, again, way too convoluted. Like, because even when he was not there, it was a problem. Because <laughs> we were, I felt like we were fighting the level itself. Mm. Um, like, the design of it. Yeah, it didn't feel like it gelled very well. Like, I couldn't... in my So when I'm playing games, I, I try to have, like, a mind's eye of, of the map in my head, right? But it didn't really work for me. And I'm not very good at game geography anyway. Steve knows that, right? Mm -hmm. But, like, it's still... I would like it in a game where, you know, you the map is incredibly important and knowing where you are, like, yeah, I would have really loved that. The Leech Man was just an annoyance, really. It was like, oh, we need to be in this room. No, we can't go in there because the Leech Man is in there. Okay, well, let's run away for, like, two minutes. Yeah. We're just wasting time. You know, you could put a blood pack on the ground, but then who's got a blood pack? Oh, I don't have space for a blood pack because there's all these other things I picked up. Mm. Right, because there's so much on this level. <laughs> um, yeah, so you didn't get the blood pack, so you need to go back and get it. And then, th yeah, whatever. It's just... Out of all of these, it is my least favorite level. I did not feel connected to it um, until I got the machine gun, and then I felt very strong. 
<laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's thanks to Steve because Steve is a real one. Cindy impersonates a dying man's wife and gets a machine gun. <laughs> what a hero! <laughs> <laughs> you're really you're so spot on about the loading screens. I hadn't thought about that, but it does feel like there's a bunch of them in this because you're right. You're stepping out of an elevator with a loading screen to go immediately into a door with a loading screen. Then the leech man unfolds in the room and you have to get out because you don't stand a chance because he's you can't hurt yeah. him. So there's another loading screen. So yeah, that definitely doesn't help and the um, um to get to to exacerbate and accelerate the problem we have the menu so like you know when mm-hmm. you're ex- when you're trying to select the elevator you need to get on there is some delay so you're like okay so it's, oh, it's not going over i'll click it again so you go two over instead and then you need to go back right <laughs> and meanwhile you're panicking because you're actually live on the floor so like some there might be things like approaching you you don't know because the screen goes black for some reason you know it's <laughs> i uh, what a no, I don't like it. Don't like it at all. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Jordan, how do you feel about the hive? Yeah, it, I mean, again, it's sort of it's placing its most of its difficulty right at the beginning, mm. yeah. um, which is a, it's a shame because I actually I do like the concept of it, and I especially like the concept that you know there's a stalker character in this that you know there is a danger in every room. And you're never going to be 100% clear of it because uh, you're being pursued more or less throughout the whole scenario. Uh, so I really like that aspect, and uh, it's you know it's it's strong in some ways, a little too strong. <laughs> but obviously, in the uh, the the opening rooms can sort of really define exactly how your run's going to go. Because, unfortunately, you will come across the leech man a lot, and, uh, you know, he packs a wallop when he does actually get you. And you mm. may not, it may not just be, you know, that you're a bit crap and you just didn't get out of the room fast enough. Sometimes it can be quite awkward. There's not much of a cue for when uh, the leech man's actually going to drop in. Mm. So you can be very unfor- it can be very unfortunate where you just simply can't get to the door because maybe another character's already in front of you. And then all of a sudden you've got a leech man dropping right on top of you. You get a hit, and all of a sudden you've got a nice bit of, uh, you know, viral load, <laughs> kind of, you know, upping your meter uh, quite progressively. And that is when you can start kind of getting a hint of, okay, I don't think this mission's going to work. I think this might, one might be a wash, because you'll get to a certain point where maybe like two or three of you are sort of like hitting around 50%, and you say, mm. we're not even out of the preliminary area that. So... When that happens, it can feel just a little bit sort of draining that really you just feel like you might as well be better off just scratching this and starting again. Um, so you have to do a lot more planning, I think, on this mission. Uh, but uh, Which is weird, because then once you're kind of like, you're out of the, sort of the main building and you're going sort of through the tunnels, like, it actually gets a lot more straightforward. And mm. it's a little bit in- insulting <laughs> to the... Uh, the hassle that you can sometimes go through, at least on your first playthroughs, the first few playthroughs. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's a little bit of a mixed bag. It's like, I want to like it more than I do, but yeah. there are so many pitfalls. And yeah, uh, as has been mentioned, so many different branching paths, so many flaws to deal with in the opening area and that, uh, and there's quite a lot of things to do. So you, you really do need to be splitting up, but most of the time you split up without really realising whether or not you were supposed to or where you're even supposed to go so it can be quite unforgiving so I'll, I, I like it but uh, I wish I liked it more 
I actually am completely on the same page as you with that last point, for sure. It's decent, but there's some really big caveats to that. Um, like, for example, and one of the things you need to do to actually get rid of the leech man um, is to input a code to get to a certain room or whatever. Um, and you find these code, this code by combining random numbers that are generated in two different notes in the hospital, um, which sounds like a great puzzle basically any other Resident Evil game that isn't this one. The one where you can't pause, where everything is always happening, where you don't really stand around to read as it is. Unfortunately, without break, there's a lot of great files in it, but you don't really have time to stand around and read. You've got to get moving. And also, in this scenario specifically, there's a scary leech man who is always hounding you. So you don't really get a chance to look at that code for very long before he's suddenly unfurling from the vent and sort of giving you a big leechy hug. Um, so yeah, it's absolutely got its issues. I really like the location of the hospital, the return to the classic hospital. As I said, it fits together with the, the original rooms that we know from it really, really well. Um, but you don't get a chance to stop and stop and smell the roses even remotely because it's an entire, yeah, it's, it's all panic while the leech man's around. And then after that, there's a, there's a nice little sweet spot after that, I think. And then towards the end, it just kind of like trails off a little bit with a boss fight. It's just like, mm, yeah, definitely could be better, unfortunately. Uh, Steve, where do you land with the hive? If you were to stack every single scenario from Outbreak File 1 and File 2 end on end, this is a brief, this briefest entry in Tear Death Experience. This is the bottom. It's below the bottom. Like... I can appreciate it as the Resident Evil 3 hospital, and that's neat, but they they debut a stalker character too early, and my gameplay experience with the gang basically brought down to those three would separate and go on an adventure, and I would walk around a table being stalked by the leech man, <laughs> keeping him busy until we found the appropriate key so we could cook him. It, it wasn't appealing, and it's capped off by perhaps one of the most tedious boss fights in the game. You have to basically lure a slow-ass leech into various environmental objects to hurt it. You could kill it conventionally, but it's just tedious and tawdry. Um, I'm trying to figure out if Hirsch, the one human character you meet who's the English doctor, or at least I think he's meant to be English, <laughs> is the leech man. Who was the leech man who attacked Hirsch in the first place? And where's he? Does that mean he's still out there? Alive? I want to kill him, Sai. <laughs> I want to hunt him down. He, kill he'll him. Be a, he's around for Outbreak File 3. <laughs> uh, you know, no, but seriously, the, the, the extra rooms of the hospital are neat. They're great, but you don't get any time to enjoy them because you've constantly got this yes. wobbly, pain-in-the-ass stalker. He's not even a cool stalker. It's just a zombie with jelly arms and squelchy... Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah the, you... the, the boss fight annoys me, and the stalker annoys me, and they're not fun. If you don't like Zero's Leech Man, this is actually worse, because at least Zero's Leech Man has, like, crazy jazz music. Like, he's got mm. something going for him, like the nuts flute sound. This, yeah, I, yeah, not probably the worst stalker in the series. That might also be a tear-death experience. Write that down. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, let's move on then to Hellfire, set in the Apple Inn Hotel, uh, the lodgings of Dario uh, Rosso, and I think even maybe there might be some lore out there that says Claire Redfield lodges here um, when she re returns to the city to find Chris. But I don't know, pre-booked a room, I think. Uh, but <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Uh, this is the hotel that is on fire. Uh, you pass by it briefly earlier on in the game and then return to it to encounter the liquors and the Regis liquor. Um, James, how did you feel about Hellfire? Oh, sorry, I'm back. Um, I was writing. I was actually writing that thing down in a note. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless you. Um, sorry, what was the question? 
How do you feel about Hellfire and the Burning Hotel? Oh, so that I think it started fine. Mm. Um, oh, I just realised my fan is on. My bad. Whole comedy er- errors here. Um, yeah, it started out really, really good. It started out really strong. I liked it. Like it was cool. It reminded me of, like I don't know why, but it reminded me of an eighties movie. I felt like I was in an eighties movie escaping. Yeah, okay. You know, yeah. you know, it was it was pretty cool in that respect. But around about halfway through this one, it lost me a bit. We also like bumped into a game breaking bug at one point. Um, where oh, that's true. Yeah, we like there was a there was a le- legitimate shotgun on the ground. The shotgun of disconnection. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and every time we we went back there, we we're like, oh yeah, this must have been a bad time. And we went back there, and it crashed again when we tried to get it. Cursed. Um, yeah, and I, I, artifact. and at that point, I actually found another shotgun, and you know, I was trying to find it for our third playthrough or a second or third playthrough. No, it must have been a third, yeah. And um, I, th- I remember you guys saying, uh, you guys were like, uh, "Oh, it was probably the, it was probably the cursed one," and you just picked it up by it. I went, "No, no, no! I swear, I saw it somewhere," you know. And I knew it was in like a weird posi- a weird place, and it was a, it was a shotgun underneath a bench. I remember seeing that because when you're going down one camera angle, when you're actually walking as in proggers, you know, you won't see it. But if you walk back, you'll see it glistening. Right. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, if you just if you just go back on yourself, you will actually see that. Um, yeah, there was I, like I'm just trying to think of highlights because or else I might be a little bit negative because it is kind of my second, my least second least favorite yeah. of all of these. Um, but I think the other thing was when we were, um, <laughs> there, there, there are, again, we were talking about memories earlier on and like gamer memories and stuff and them sticking your head. And this was going to be a big one. It's the, it's finding that map with all yeah. the countries on it, you know, and I'm going, oh, there's a bunch of countries on this map. Uh, and some of them are like colored red and some of them are lit up and, you know, and meanwhile, these guys are like downstairs or wherever they were, right? And they were they were going, oh, it's like these things here too. Oh, that's strange. And then let's go let's go upstairs to James and figure out what this is all about. And that that yeah, that's gaming. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I remember we kind of wound up uh, in that room looking at the map and be like, oh, there's just one that we didn't push correctly. Like yeah, and, and I was like. Do you know what? I'm just going to go and journey, man, it downstairs and come back home and do that by myself. I'll be all right. Like, there, yeah, it was a really cool little Yeah. Moment. Like, without, you know, like without context, it was like the game's telling you to go to that room. Everyone needs to come here so you can get context because there's no way you could describe. Because I think I was set there going, uh, it's an eight, no, four by four square. And, <laughs> yeah, you know, Plus, nothing... you don't know if you want it to, if the game wants you to be red or gray, right? Like, right. You, yeah. <laughs> it was really cool. Um, I am sorry, but I do not. What was the end of that one? Liquor horde fight with the upside oh, down liquor lady. I'll tell you what. Weird, yeah. That, I don't know actually why I forgot that because that was sick. Like, <laughs> when she came down from that ceiling, I catch my pants. Like, and then Cy just walked over and one-shot it. It was great. <laughs> yeah. I just ran away. I was like, no, I'm getting the hell out of here. Oh, yeah. Um, that was a scenario where I had the grenade launcher. Wasn't yeah. I remember now. <laughs> yeah, you were you were dressed to the nines with freaking... I had everything, didn't I? Yeah. yeah and we were That's the only there. thing about that. It's like the reveal of the boss is really cool, but I thought like the boss kind of sucked. Like It died yeah. so quickly, we didn't get a chance to properly experience it. So that's something yeah. to maybe go back and do on a harder difficulty and see how it feels. There, there was there was also the baby liquors. 
like Baby you know, liquors. well, this you know the skinny liquors. They were just oh, like yeah. you know. They oh were... yeah, that one that freaked out as well. That would skinny <laughs> liquors. The way you phrased that was like skinny dippers or something. Like. <laughs> skinny dippers. No, they're going to go into the raccoon zoo. When, or, I don't know, swimming baths. When I when I first saw those liquors, I was terrified because, of course, you would be because you know liquors are meant to be terrifying, but they are not an outbreak. No, I not. distinctly remember at least one time where three of us unarmed just kicked one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We just mugged him. That's it. It's pretty much what we did for everything. We just stun locked it on the ground. <laughs> it's great. Great time. Yeah. Anyway, it's my second favorite. And I, yeah, I'll put my two highlights there. But otherwise, it was fairly unforgetful. Uh, forgetful. Your second least, second least favorite is that, I take it. Yeah, yeah, it's second um, second least favorite, definitely. I, I'm the same, and I'm glad you pointed out a bunch of cool memories and stuff we associate with it because it's made me smile about it. Because I, it's quite, it's kind of similar to the hive and what Jordan said. I kind of want to like this one more than I actually do. Like the setting's really cool, like with the fire and stuff. Even though sort of clambering around the side of the building was kind of a pain at times, um, and it's got some issues. But it's a cool concept, certainly, and the firefighters and all that stuff. But it's just, it's kind of long and samey and it gets confusing. And yeah, it's it just it just sort of a bit long in the tooth for me. I think it's the issue, really. Um, there's some, some great stuff in here, but it's kind of lost amongst the length of it. Um, Steve, how did you feel about Hellfire? I have, a, I have questions. For one thing, Among Us suspect sound. Why are there firemen in the building before it's on fire? <laughs> but also, like, I can appreciate how much of a real building this one feels like. Yeah. Like compared to everything else, this is the one the one that most has geometry and layout that would be fitting. If it wasn't falling apart and on fire, it would be fitting an actual hotel. There are some puzzles which are entirely optional for weapons, or at least they were on the difficulties we played. And it's got a unique gimmick enemy in there, it's the liquors. Uh, they are weedier than your traditional, more stocky, muscular kind of liquors. And they have a boss fight that in at least in the terms of this game. It's probably the second best boss fight, and even then, Sai could one-shot it with a grenade launcher, so what does that <laughs> tell you? Mm. You know, uh, it's okay. I think it gets a bit of a bad rap, because it is mostly linear to begin with, and then branches out and then collides back in again with all that kicks off. But I feel like it's got so many unique little traits, and I wish that the building being on fire had more of an effect other than, like, visual. You know, like, it, like your characters were maybe need to find ways to clear the air or respirate or anything Mm. because they can just sprint around this collapsing thing for a good hour while their virus (laughs) gauges tick up and there is no real ill effects they're not even like suffering from like coughing or anything it's not really selling the authentic vibe um (laughs) but that yeah but all the little hotel rooms being basically it reminds me of the guardhouse in re1 how they all have their own little side little ensuite and things it's it's kind of neat for me it's uh it's funny actually yeah it's funny you say about it being realistic because it reminds me of Silent Hill locations like the school and like the hospital and stuff like that, which is just it is like it should be. It's like stacks of the very similar rooms, so uh, quite unlike Resident Evil in that because it is, yeah, the most realistic thing in Raccoon City in that sense. Uh, yeah, there's probably more they could have done with it overall. Is is a good take, I think. Jordan, how did you feel about Hellfire? Uh, I dig it. I actually quite liked it, despite the fact that, yes, it's the environment is naturally quite repetitive. But I suppose uh, what I liked about this one was uh, how much more exploring uh, you're sort of you're allowed to do by the game. Um, you know, while there are enemies about, uh, I just felt like this was more sort of designed for a, 
a puzzle solving and you know environmental sort of storytelling and that you you can obviously you can appreciate a lot more with regards to things like notes or yeah. uh, any kind of like optional puzzles and stuff like that so i know this one took us sort of like longer than it probably should uh, but I quite enjoyed that because I was just like, it was just enjoying the experience of sort of you know messing about up and down the the levels in the hotel anyway. Uh, so I I had a lot of fun with that, um, and there was a whole lot less peril. So maybe I liked it for that reason hmm. as well. There was there wasn't really much of a danger of any of us sort of like turning into zombies ourselves. I give some credit of that to the fact that um, a, a burning hotel is actually not a great place for zombies to hang out, uh, as I found. Because you can just basically stand on the other side of a, a fire that's happening on the carpet, and a zombie will just walk right into it. And uh, they yeah. will just burn to a crisp, and uh, you will be fine. You'll have <laughs> a little bit of entertaining uh, entertainment, and maybe like a, a slightly sort of badly burnt smell getting to your nose. But besides that, you're otherwise fine, and... That actually goes for a lot of the hallways, you know. Okay, you you'd get a liquor every now and then, but you know, obviously we've we've shown how we show justice to liquors, <laughs> and uh, you know, it is it is merciless and relentless. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I I quite liked it, and I I, I really dug the fact that uh, the the sort of the puzzle with all of the different locations, um, actually figuring that out by going to each room. Uh, was pretty cool in the way that if you sort of coordinate it, you can basically sort of clear it quite quickly if you have certain people on point to cover certain rooms and check all of the paintings and stuff like that and hit the switches. You can do it quite quickly, which kind of gives me, I don't know, it gives me that kind of like crystal maze kind of feeling of coordination <laughs> where you're you're shouting to other people most of the time when you're just not in the same room. But <laughs> together you can figure out these resources. Of course, it does make you know, a, a bit of a sort of a, it's a bit of a head scratcher to think of how this was meant to be implemented <laughs> in 2004 mm. with such limited communication. Mm. Uh, but hey, at least stood out now in 2023. So I did like that aspect, and uh, yeah, I, I, it's it's not brilliant, but I I enjoyed it, and. Um, <laughs> There was a lot of like unintentionally funny moments. The boss getting one shotted was like <laughs> it's just hilarious. Uh, it, like it was a cool looking boss, but it was just kind of a wow. That was it. <laughs> All right, <laughs> let's really get was. out of here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All that lead up time and uh, just just done. Um, also, quick shout out to Hellfire as well as having uh, another great example of the sort of randomly generated puzzles where there's um, a hotel room where you need to open the safe to get a key item to open a later door. Um, and that hotel room can belong to many different people that all have their own different codes, and you have to check a note to see which room you know they're in and that kind of stuff and line up the code. That was just a great example again of that, um, how the puzzles can change over different, uh, different... It's essentially the same thing, but the solutions change. Uh, okay, so that takes us to the final scenario of the game and I'm very excited to talk about this one which is Decisions Decisions which starts off in Raccoon City University and goes a lot of places obviously this is the big conclusion as well so there's a bit more storyline chunk to this this has the proper villain in it um, and the kind of situation where you have to deal with your virus gauges finally once and for all if you like 
Um, Steve, what are your what's your take on decisions? Decisions. This could have been a whole game. Like yes, it feels it, like a mini Resident Evil in itself, doesn't it? Yeah, like the, the scale of it. This could have been multiple scenarios. It's yeah. It's if you know how to play the game, this is the one you play, or at least it feels like the one you should play. Mm. Uh, I appreciate the fact that it's got lots of things of different do, uh, for players to do. We went around as a unit, but I mean, imagine if you are like a bit more of a seasoned veteran, you could probably have spread spread out, maybe solved it a bit faster. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave the the epic tales for the rest of the gang. But needless to say, this was definitely the highlight of the entire disc uh, of all the scenarios in it. And I think it's just a really well put together thing. Like Greg Muller, uh, memes aside, it's uh, yeah, incredibly well done, and it shows just how good it can be when they get all the little pieces together. It's got lots of little puzzles. The enemies aren't too obnoxious. There's even a stalker character without being a pain in the bum about it, and mm. it they get a proper lead up. And I feel like it's the only time the gammas show up, so they get points. <laughs> yeah, even though I barely got to even see the damn things because I was doing something else. Um, so uh, all the more reason to play it again. Um, I also won't go too deep into this just yet. I'll let everyone have a chance to speak. But I wanted to point out that we've, we have only played this one once. Um, and the situation was, oh, it's getting a little bit sort of towards closing down time. But you know what? Well, let's play this before bed. And then it took over 90 minutes to complete. Uh, to, so to your point, yes, it's massive. I mean, the final words when we beat this scenario was, I felt like I've done an entire D&D campaign in a night. <laughs> yes, exactly that. Uh, yeah, and again, in terms of the time that it took, it was right down to the wire as well. Uh, Jordan, what did you think of Decisions, Decisions, the final scenario? Loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. Mm -hmm. uh, this is where it all really started to click. Mm -hmm. uh, it kind of felt like coming to this scenario that looking back at the other scenarios, they were kind of each one almost sort of like felt like it was experimenting with a certain sort of like a core strength to it, sort of like whether it was puzzle solving or exploration or sort of like, like a rush mode or uh, yeah, sort of like a maybe resource management and stuff like that. It, 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 Never felt like in the other scenarios that there was like a 100% perfect balance of things. Like you might find that like the difficulty is front loaded or back loaded or you might find that the boss is overwhelming or, you know, just completely sort of dismissive. Mm. Um, and so it was weird because you kind of got a lot of mixed feelings about this game. And yet this final scenario kind of feels like it's been made after all of the others, when the development team has had some time to really break down what the core of their game is now. What are the most important aspects and how do you sort of balance that in a multiplayer game? How do you get all of those aspects in the same scenario and not make it a drain? Because while, mm. it, you know, it's obviously it's, it's a big mission, it is doable in a night. And that was on our sort of like our first go. If you were going back to it and playing it again, mm. it would obviously be a lot more straightforward. Um, but yeah, just uh, a very, very strong case for Outbreak uh, as a series and as a concept. It was so fun. Like, it felt like, even though there was not a whole lot of story to it, it felt like we were building the narrative yes. through our own experiences, yeah. knowing 
when we needed to split up. Not because the game was telling us to split up, but because we realised our survival was based on that. <laughs> how many close calls we had, how many moments where we really were about to turn into zombies at any point, and we just about escaped it because, you know, somebody else was able to find, you know, some kind of antidote or, or, or something to kind of keep us going for a little bit longer. Um, the variety of areas and like environments that you go through, uh, you know, just fantastic, top notch. You're constantly getting thrown with some, some different kinds of enemies and such. Um, and it even sort of has a slight sort of feeling towards the end where you, f you think it's over and then it's not quite over and then you think it's over again and it's not quite over <laughs> again. Like, it's just, I don't know, it's, it feels like there's actual plan scenario planning for this mission in particular um, which just is great. Is is the, the sort of the poster child of Outbreak as as a, as a series yeah. and it's it's one of those things where it's weird to be able to sort of like recommend this mission without recommending playing the other missions first i feel like you have to play through all the other scenarios not really for story basis but more for appreciating what has come together in this final one mm. uh and and how it's sort of cumulative because uh, you sort of you dip your toes in the gameplay throughout the rest of the acts, but then once you get to decisions, decisions, it's like okay, now I see the full picture. I've I've stood back. I can see everything that this series wants to do. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's really fun. It was really fun. A lot of that I put down to obviously the wonderful company that I have when I play these games, but it is just yeah uh, something that. If, if more Resident Evil fans can sort of check out in whatever fashion they can, legal or otherwise, um, it's it's worth it. It's absolutely worth it. This really does feel like the main event, doesn't it? Like It's almost like every other scenario beforehand was a little bit of a training for this. This is the real Resident Evil outbreak. Um, so to give the sort of full context of the situation of decision decisions and what happened with us is that uh, sort of the main goal is to create daylight, the T-virus vaccine, of which you need, I think, three different pieces. The only problem with that, as well as particular, and this is what happened to us, is that one of those who are exposed to oxygen for too long becomes a dud and you have to go get uh, a replacement, uh, which is exactly what we figured out literally at the last moment. Uh, we were getting so cl close to the wire in terms of the amount of time that we had remaining Based on our virus gauges, they were really racking up by encountering stuff like the hunter gammas and so on. That we did have to split into pairs. Um, James, uh, Jordan, and Steve continued to explore the rest of sort of the sewers and fight the hunters and stuff like that. And James and I raced back to sort of underbelly of the university to face down the tyrant that was chasing us around uh, that location, which was a trick in itself because you have to take it down in a very specific um, environmental way. Um, and then we were like, okay, we're good. Let's go and do the rest of this scenario and get our antidotes when we realised that, yes, we didn't actually have the final piece and we had to race back. I think Steve, you had to run all the way back to grab it and come mm -hmm. back or something. It was some madness. And literally... 99% virus gauges were going around? I think it was at 98 or 99 at the last moments are creating the vaccine, putting those three things together and putting in a machine to sort of duplicate it. And then you produce however many that you need, give to your party... Uh, 
create one more for the good ending and off you go. And so we were all standing around while Steve was creating these things, handing them out to whoever needed them most next. Uh, it was, yes, extremely tight. But the fact that we did it, we got through to the end and we fought Thanatos. Uh, yeah, it, it felt awesome. You guys are absolutely right. It felt like a D&D campaign in itself. It felt like a game in itself. It felt like the pure example of what Outbreak is trying to be. James, I think you said that your sort of playthrough of the game, sort of by the end of it, you got to the feeling of, yeah, why haven't we had more of this kind of thing? Like yeah. You came around to the idea of the potential of this game. And I think that really decision to decisions really shows its potential. What did you think about the scenario overall? Oh, it was it was sublime. I, I do wanna go back on something Jordan said and I you know a couple of times you folks have said as well, but and it's about I think decisions, decisions it's gonna be controversial maybe, but I mean you know, why would I be on this podcast podcast if it wasn't to ruffle <laughs> some feathers? Um I think decisions, decisions is so good because of the other levels. Yeah. Right, because the other levels were just like they weren't, you know, I mean, Freezing Point wasn't a slog, right? Uh, Hive definitely was, right? But I think they were, th- that was the wave you had to go against, you mm-hmm. know, to get to the crown, you know, of decisions. I think if we had, like, all those other chapters were as good as Decisions, Decisions, you know, uh, in in their own way. Right. Um, it would be know, a special. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's I why it that. was. Right. But uh, to talk about decisions, decisions specifically. Um, so folks might not know this. I'm always causing problems. Netra's just said in chat. Yeah. Um, so f- folks might know this, but I'm not particularly gifted in terms of uh, complicated puzzles, but I'm very good at observing puzzles, like observational puzzles. And there was this point where there was this puzzle to do with numbers on a page, on several pages. And it was just a bunch of numbers, and then it gave you, like, a number code thing. And I remember figuring it out because I just stepped, I just looked back on, like, from my monitor. I went, they're making numbers out of numbers. Like, there's, like, a number over there, and there's, like, a five, and, you know, and I was like, I think I figured the puzzle out, everybody. And you guys are like, I don't care that you figured it out. Just give us the number. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think to myself, I was like, pat myself on the back because I never do. Like, but it felt, <laughs> it felt very, uh, you know, it's like, um, I'm going to harken back to uh, Remake 4 here with the, the sword puzzle. It felt like that. That's an observation puzzle, mm. you know? And I was like, yeah, this is, this is so cool. And I figured it out by myself and I was so proud of myself. I got, there was another time I did it as well. I think it was to do with the presidents. I think. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that night I was on fire. Like, but that <laughs> was, <laughs> and then uh, yeah, and then the rest of it was just like the. Moment, I remember. I remember specifically how stressed Sai and I were, but it wasn't in every. It wasn't in a negative way. Like, well, there was something, and that was again. We really we talk- wanted to, because we were invested at that point. We put with so much time, yeah. and we really wanted to get to the end, I think, was yeah. where the stress came from. It was like, this is a big time investment. But also, yeah, it remained fun. Yeah. There was the menu. We had a menu problem, right? But, like, yeah. it was, you know, it was because we were panicking. We knew the menu problem was a thing. We should have overcompensated. We didn't because we were panicking and stressing out, right? And, uh, yeah. Um, 
it was just I, I can't really speak about what happened underneath. I loved it when the gammas started coming out. Um, when I when because we that was where we split, wasn't it? Yeah, at the gammas, it was so, it was so cinematic. I loved it. Um, yeah, and I could. Uh, it was nice. I could navigate around the university as well. Mm. Like normally, you know, I've got Steve over my shoulder saying, "You want to go right, lad?" You know. But <laughs> oh, your dad. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I knew my way around the university. I was like, because we'd been there for like two hours at this point. Mm. You know, I knew my way around it, and it was great. You know, and I was we were doing full circuits, and we were just running this this Thanatos, who, by the way, is the best tyrant for me in any of the Resident Evil games. I absolutely love him. Um, but yeah, we're doing running laps. We're trying to get him and to kind of bait him. That felt really fun as well. Mm. Like baiting him and dr- bringing him down while you're also trying to avoid doggies and stuff. Yeah. You know, it was oh, it was great. I had had such a blast. And yeah, you're right, side. Like at that moment, I, I mean, it, I had it. I had touches of it in previous levels, but it was in decisions, decisions where I was like, oh, why, <laughs> why has this not been like remade and just polished and and done something with is is there's so much here to work with and in this day and age where pve co-op games are doing so well like it it's it's almost criminal that capcom aren't taking advantage of that and we instead we're getting resistance and reverse and whatever else they're gonna you know bloody exo prime or whatever else they're gonna throw at us you know like it's just give us outbreak (laughs) just give us it please yeah, uh, yeah. I just wanted to say before we moved on, I absolutely agree with what you were saying about the map as well, which is what makes that even cooler is the fact that it is so huge and it keeps growing outwards. But because you spend so much time in it, you do get accustomed to particular areas mm. as well, like the university. But I was just really impressed by the map design of that level in general. And I'm really looking forward to hopefully going back to it um, and spending some more time in there and getting better at playing that scenario and seeing how it feels on repeat playthroughs. More than the rest, you know, I'm interested in replaying all of them, but decision decisions, I we only got one playthrough, and so I really uh, am interested to go through that again and see some of the areas that I missed and that kind of stuff. I mean, that's uh, we, testament, right? Like, we did yeah. one playthrough, and we're all going, best scenario, the best, best yeah, game, sure. dang. Like, yeah. oh. No, absolutely. And now, reading the file Peter's Diary from Resident Evil Outbreak, Moritz B, who you can find on IMDB via the link in the description. August 13th. Reagent creation is at its final stage. When it is completed, we will finally have a means to stop that wretched T-virus. I heard about Umbrella's heinous dealings from an ex-head researcher named Greg. I wouldn't have been able to create this reagent without his expertise and assistance. Using viral research for personal gain is unforgivable. We named this reagent Daylight. You don't need an umbrella in the daylight. I find the name quite suits the reagent, considering its main purpose. September 15th. I've received a tea sample from Greg and tested Daylight on it. It's still not all that stable, but it is managing to suppress the growth of the T-viral cell. Victory is nigh. Come to think of it, how did Greg obtain the T-sample? He told me a friend secretly got him a sample, but he thinks he's being chased by Umbrella. Is he hiding something from me? Well, I shouldn't snoop. September 19th. It seems I've been totally mistaken. How could Greg do such terrible things? It seems this has all been a ruse. 
He planned everything from the start. There must be a reason why he rushed me to complete the daylight. Am I the only one who, other than Greg, that knows how to create a compound? Is my life in danger? I, I should just play dumb for a while. Discard a T sample. Hide compound instructions. Contact George. Everyone, for the most part though, when it comes to characters, everyone pretty much found someone they liked immediately and mostly stuck with it. So I guess most of you guys are not going to have too much to say uh, about everyone in the cast. Yeah. But it's worth saying that Outbreak has eight characters and as Steve said, they've all got their own little um, sort of blocking and dodging abilities and starting items and little advantages and disadvantages and stuff like that. Um, Steve, let's start with you actually because you know the most about everyone. You played as Alyssa the most... Um, any general thoughts on any particular characters or whatever? Uh, yeah, I, I play as Alyssa the most because I think she's the best. Uh, and uh, <laughs> canonically, she's referenced in RE7, so she definitely gets out alive. Uh, <laughs> but no, I, I generally gravitate towards like the characters that have utilities other than just like offensive. And obviously, she has the ability to break locks, which in a game like Outbreak, there are some unique areas which are purely lock-openable. Uh, and she can brute force them. She can also, if it, you if we can't find the right key for a thing, she could theoretically break a lockdown for it, assuming it's not card key based, which I think yeah. allows an extra utility to the team. She's also busted because she's got a weaker version of Kevin's pot shot ability, which gives her a slight tactical offensive advantage, and she's got like the the weirdest looking dodge known to human humankind. It gets changed <laughs> in file two, but it's just like a weird backwards launch. So uh, she's a little bit busted. Uh, out of the rest of the characters, I think Kevin's good for speed, and obviously he has the most damage dealing potential. I think most characters have like a hidden stat for firearm damage and melee damage, so there is also that working for him. Mm -hmm. Most useless character by far is although I'm like a loot magnet, you know, with Jim, mm. like he can reveal all items, but his his, his, his other skill is falling over. <laughs> it's, yes, it's, facts. The, the deadest weight in the game. Uh, and I, I feel like he's meant to be a reference to Dewey, like in the you know the original RE One kind of thing. You know the, the joke mm. comedy guy who's a mm. bit like Eddie Murphy. Um, Mark and Kevin are great. George is uh, probably bog standard man. At least in Far One, in Far Two he gets a bit more use. Mm. Cindy's great because obviously she's a walking like you know herb machine, and James very much did the whole like you know walking drug dealer coming out with herbs. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Well, it's so Mark obviously could. Yeah, Mark can carry things, and Yoko is a pack mule who also has the funkiest dodge in the game. So, yes. I'm kind of overviewing all the characters, but no, this no, is the best. Fine. Fight me. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's something that early you can do. I tried to play a little bit of everyone where I could. Um, oh, David as well. He exists. David also exists. That is fact. Uh, James, you fell immediately into Cindy, and I... I completely understand why, as also someone that plays support characters a lot. But I think her and Alyssa are absolutely the most helpful characters in that sense because uh, she's the herb machine. Um, any thoughts on you know her abilities or just right good? <laughs> um, Indecision's decisions when I actually use the dodge, and the dodge is well good. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I wish I, I wish I learned to. You know, I want to tell Ladies you, guys, and gentlemen, we got him. He learned how to press R one and circle. It only took five scenarios. I kept on forgetting which the set. I knew it was R. No, no, no. It was the other way around. I knew it was circle, but I didn't know what the other one was. So I kept on going around, which is why you guys were constantly being spammed with, uh, you know, help me. 
you know, <laughs> help me all the time. But yeah, it, she's so good because like the thing that takes up most of your inventory in this game are herbs. It's the thing yeah. that is gonna like t- chuck up, and she can stack up to three of each herb in her Outside thingy. Of, yeah, right. And also she can uh, she can store. Uh, like a, a a complete herb, so a complete mixed, depending on what you mix it with, a complete one. So you're you're essentially getting four more. Well, you're getting nine, ten, ten more slots. You know, yeah, with with Cindy, and that's pretty wild. <laughs> you know, uh, additionally on top of her four slots already, and I, I you know, as I said, if a game is going to have a support utility role, I'm going to play it because I yeah. love being the person. Right, that keeps everybody up, that buffs everybody. I love debuffing things. I don't really like hitting things very much, like unless it feels epic, right? But I mean, this is Resident Evil Outbreak. It doesn't really feel epic unless you're playing that one guy with the pot shot, right? But mm. um, yeah, she's so cool, and you know, I I love uh, I love her outfit, like her actual original outfit, because yeah. they could have gone, um, they could have been very stereotypical with it. Right, but it, it made sense for where she was. She she looked like a she looked like a New York. I know this is like somewhere in the middle Midwest, of America, yeah. but you know she looked like a New York like you know waiter in a in a in a bar. It was it was very barista of doom. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. And then when I learned to dodge, it was like, well, it's game over for everybody because they can't hit me. <laughs> like I was, <laughs> you get these iframes. Like you know, James James loves Dark Souls and he loves iframes. As soon as I realize that character is iframes, mm, yes, me gusta. You know, I love it. <laughs> like so, I was I was just constantly like ducking and dodging from the tyrant um, and doggies at the end and stuff. I really felt like I was a super. I was superhuman. It was great. Yeah, everybody should play Cindy because she's super fun uh, <laughs> and I really liked her. Uh, Nine point eight out of ten. Solid. Um, conversely to that, Jordan, you landed on Mark right away, and I think pretty much stuck with him. I don't think you played as anyone else. Any particular reason why you played as uh, Mark Wilkins, or just kind of like random selection, and just you know went with it? I think. Well, first of all, it did start with sort of a random selection, although it kind of just ended up landing on the kind of character that I would usually pick in a sort of a class-based, uh, you know, online game anyway. Because with the exception of maybe uh, Team Fortress Two. Uh, where I'll go with something, you know, like the engineer. Uh, I usually like to just go for just I, I don't know, just the the straight up sort of physical characters, mm. um, where it's like your your most of your sort of your balance isn't in necessarily specific perks or anything to do with support. It's more just kind of like tell like tell me where to go and what to hit, and I'll do that. So it just give me some extra sort of brute force. Like if I'm playing something like I don't know the Souls games and stuff, I'm most likely go with like a knight or something. Really standard stuff, to be quite honest. Very milk toast kind of approach to gaming, or it's just kind of like I hit things. Nothing I wrong with being a, a bit tank. harder than other people. <laughs> yeah, that's that's. I guess that's pretty much it. Um, but I mean, it, it obviously it sort of stood out to me immediately that sort of Mark obviously starts with a pistol. Yeah. Um, which makes sense because he's a security guard, so uh, it would make sense that he already has a weapon compared to most of the other characters where they have to source their weapon first. So that's a good starting point for me uh, because, I mean, you know, I have no excuse to, like, <laughs> not actually die in the first area because, 
I'm armed. Mm. And uh, he does have like some other extra perks. I believe that uh, he could do sort of like a... It's got like a shove thing. Uh, yeah, he could sort of shove, you know, shove characters around. But also, like I think like when you actually uh, have like a blunt weapon... Uh, you can do a, a much more powerful swing, mm. uh, so you can sort of like inflict a bit more sort of damage. But besides that, it was just it was just you know it was speaking a language that I sort of understood. That it was just kind of like right, your your physical buffs are there, and you you know you probably have a little bit of sort of yeah tanky sort of defense nature. But I didn't have to really think about or worry about that I was having extra perks for unlocking or you know health item making yeah. and stuff like that. And uh, that that was a good trade-off, really, because it meant that, like, when we did find certain items, because we were quite sort of different in terms of our characters, uh, it did mean that when we found items, we knew exactly who we were giving them to, mm-hmm. or who we were saving them for. Mm-hmm. Um, which meant, especially in Decisions Decisions, holy smokes, like, I was absolutely strapped. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, just going around, we were, like, it was me and Steve just sort of clearing out the uh, Hunter Gammas, and my goodness, I had so many assault rifles and yeah, pistols, I and I was, I, I, at some point I just had so many sort of like empty magazines, I was like, well, yeah, I just need to drop these somewhere. <laughs> but it was, it was great. So, um, yeah, sometimes it's, I'll be honest, I don't like to go through a ton of characters and try and figure out what's what's best for me. Mm. Um, I will, I usually just sort of do the running into a wall approach, where it's just going to, well, I'll keep running into this wall until I find something that ain't wall. <laughs> and uh, thankfully for me, it was just kind of a case that I could just run ahead straight away because the character that I was using more or less plays how I like to play anyway. And um, so that was quite fair. I, I think as well, like, while there are differences between the characters... It's not so severe that you yes. feel like when you when you pick a character, you're in a completely sort of alien place if you just don't usually gel with that kind of character. Mm. They all still have a, a base where they all more or less work the same. It's just that they'll have certain perks. And once you realize that what kind of perks you like to really utilize, that's when it starts you know, playing a part in your decision making at the option screen. Yeah, Jordan was like, I'm going to find a character I like and stick with it. And that character is Ving Rhames, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all... With that wonderful alternate outfit where it's just sort He's of like, you know, shirt. Sunday morning, yeah, Sunday morning dad reading the newspaper <laughs> on his, like, freshly cut lawn. <laughs> I would look totally much... cool with the bandana and stuff, though, from, um, yeah. Um... Yeah, Dawn of the Dead remake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, damn. They're all, uh, you know, based on actors in some form, really, aren't they, for the most part? Um, I kind of... I rifled through most of them over the course of our playthrough at least once. Um, yeah, Alyssa's cool. Cindy's really helpful. I wound up playing George a bunch, but I never really used his ability to make various different medicines. Um, Mark and Kevin are absolutely really good starting characters because they begin with a gun. And when I was playing the game by myself, before I played with you guys, I was like, you know what... Uh, it feels massively important to start with a gun, but when you're playing with enough bodies, with enough variety of what you're doing, like I didn't feel it necessary for me to play as Kevin because Mark already start, started out, you know, ready to go. And then you get enough weapons pretty quickly, or you can move pretty quickly away from danger if need to be. Um, yeah, Jim's map skill that you mentioned, Steve, is cool, but the rest of his stuff is trash, where he lies on the ground to play dead, and his viral gauge just shoots right up. It's just like it's not even worth it. David's tool belt actually felt like a lot 
to sit and play with for a game that's really pacey. So I just didn't want to put any time into figuring out what any of it does or is for. So nobody really, really stuck with me. I didn't really fall in love with anyone all that much. Um, they are much of a muchness that it doesn't matter too much. Um, and I'm looking forward to Outbreak 2, where apparently it's a bit more defined. But I did mean that I did get to play through because we played with all the stuff unlocked just because of the sake of it. So we could just jump between scenarios immediately. Um, and we also had all the many, many character skins unlocked, where it's basically every NPC in the game is a Kevin type or a Cindy type, and they get those abilities. Um, and then some different alterations to their stats. So I wound up just picking up random people, uh, like Sean, who doesn't look <laughs> unlike Sean Stars Tyrant, uh, but is just unbelievably slow. So that was painful. Trying to run around Hellfire as the slowest man alive. Um, you know, conversely, I also played as Marvin just for the laugh of it at one point, and he's super OP. Uh, so there's a bunch of variation in that sense as well. But yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how everyone sort of shapes out a little bit more with Outbreak 2. Um, let's talk about the story a little bit. I guess there isn't too much when it comes to Outbreak overly, or at least on the surface. You know the story. The T-Virus outbreak happens in Raccoon City, and everyone needs to get out. Um, for the cast of Outbreak, it kind of all kicks off when they're in the bar at the beginning of the game, and then they kind of zip around the city a little bit, going to various locations on their attempt to get out and also find a cure for the T-Virus, which is, you know, handy of them to do that. Uh, yeah. But I guess beyond that, though, there are interesting story beats in the individual scenarios. Uh, for one thing, there's a lot of alternative stuff that can happen depending on who you're playing as, even right down to the cutscenes that you watch. Uh, one great example is when Steve and I were playing, he was streaming, uh, so I had his screen up and my screen up, so I could see where cutscenes were sort of diverging so that his character could say a bit, my character could say a bit to me. I was like, seeing that sort of happen live was really neat. Everyone gets their own little ending monologues to each scenario and so on. And there are just 28 plus endings to the game, depending on how you look at it. It's kind of crazy like that. Uh, Steve, you mentioned Bob in the outbreak scenario as well. It only occurs, you only get the uh, sort of sit down conversation with him once you've got him to the rooftop if you're playing as Mark, which is neat. Just stuff like that sprinkled in is, is really nice. Um, James, any thoughts on the overall story of Outbreak or is it not really that kind of game? Um... <laughs> uh, I learned recently that uh, I will answer the question I just feel like this adds to the story mm -hmm. um, I learned recently that if you play in higher difficulties the cutscenes have the added monsters that would be there in the in those cutscenes instead right. of yeah, yeah. like the original ones mm -hmm. so I think like uh, for the bit where you light the oil on fire, for instance, in the harder difficulties, there's, there's another monster there. Yes, yeah, so yeah, Raymond Douglas, the uh, vice chief of police who gets killed by zombies uh, before the before you set fire to the tanker. In later difficulties, he gets killed by what's called the scissor tail, which we've not encountered, which is a big earwig or a series of big earwigs. Uh, uh, so yeah, that's that's a, absolutely a thing worth mentioning, yes. Yeah, I, I thought that was really cool because you don't even see that in games nowadays. Yeah, for you sure. Know, unless it's unless it's in-game cinematics, which I guess that kind of was, but you know that wasn't again wasn't done. You know, I I feel like this game has inspired a lot of games, even though it's kind of flown really low. You know, it has inspired a lot of games with, with how it's done, and even in terms of the story. Yeah, the story isn't much to really talk about. Um, however, the idea of the story is really cool. 
Mm. Right. So like if if I was a fan back then, and I'm sure Steve probably will talk about this, right? And I'm sure other, you know, Resident Evil fans back then who were excited for this game to come out. If you hear you're gonna be playing as the survivors trying to get out of Raccoon City before it explodes, like I would lose my mind. Like that yeah. sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a really great idea, really simple. Um, you know, because everybody's played as these superhuman super cops and whatever stars members and whatever else, but now you're you're being nerfed and you need to get out of the city and you need to do it collaboratively. That sounds really cool. Um, the idea of that, uh, I think the idea of that leading up would have been so hype worthy. Uh, yeah, but as I say, we already know what the story is. It was cool to see things blown up, and I think Steve said. Uh, several times through our playthrough, he's like, yeah, <laughs> all these explosions are happening. You'd, you'd think we'd see them in the main games <laughs> or something like that. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. And it's true. Like, but, you know, they had to. It's a, I, I always put it down to Raccoon being a big city. So, like, you don't really see any of that stuff. But it was nice seeing different aspects of Raccoon City um, as well. And really getting a full scope of the, the place um, to... Uh, yeah, I like I, I I yeah I uh yeah don't, not not really got much more to say I don't think. No, that's fair. Uh, and you make some sound points certainly, Jordan. How did you feel about the sort of story coming into it? Um, and yeah, I, I I feels like a game where you I don't know how much focus there is on the story, especially when you're playing with other people. Did you think that, like that about the game? Yeah, I mean, I didn't come into this game sort of for its story. Yeah. Um, even back in the day when I when I did know about the game, it was very cool. The idea that um, in some respects you could almost make your own story of escaping Raccoon mm. City. Um, the pull of that was really interesting. That these were these are otherwise characters we'd never interacted with before. Never going to interact with them again after Outbreak as a series. Um, so, yeah, in that kind of way, it was sort of like, well, I can sort of, I can pick a character and they can be my avatar and I can sort of, I can craft this sort of story across the scenarios of what kind of character I am and what kind of things I do. Um, so that was more interesting to me than the actual story <laughs> and the actual cutscenes, um, which... Uh, to be fair, like they they just sort of happened. Like I sort of like you know I, I watched them and um, you know it was <laughs> it was particularly fun when we could sort of like you know riff on some of the the more sort of cheesy line delivery that was being given. Uh, but it wasn't yeah there, there there was nothing that really sort of stood out to me as particularly memorable. In part because unfortunately because it is obviously retreading environments that we know and love, uh, it ends up being a little bit derivative. And mm. there's not a whole lot they're going to do with it. There's not a whole lot that Capcom was really going to commit to this in terms of sort of like deep lore or really kind of compelling characters because that wasn't really the point. Ultimately, it was about just sort of a primer to set you up with these characters. What is a little bit of their backstory so you know a little bit more about the, the lives that were in Raccoon City before it fell. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it's passable. It's fine. I can't help feeling like it would be so much better if they were making Outbreak today. Because, yeah. again, to sort of like, you know, reference even Left 4 Dead, which is, you know, fairly old game at this point. Um, but whenever you're playing Left 4 Dead online, you are constantly having the sort of the dialogue 
crossover between the different characters and stuff like that. Sometimes it's sort of you you force it yourself. If not, the characters will just sort of talk to one another. And as those games progressed, especially in Left 4 Dead 2, they put a whole lot more story into that sort of like uh, casual conversation that you're having as you're running around or in mm. between sort of the active sort of combat areas, as it were, when you're at like safe rooms and stuff and more conversation. Outbreak tries that, but it's it's just a little bit too much in its infancy yes. as a sort of a system, and yeah. so most of the time it's just everybody sort of quipping over each other, and it's not it's not really a conversation. It's more just kind of <laughs> everyone can just sort of yell, and it doesn't make much sense. Uh, if you if you gave Outbreak to the um, the modern RE teams, I feel like they would turn every one of these characters into a super memorable and charming. Uh, sort of fixture mm. within Resident Evil as a series there now, rather than just sort of spin-off characters, I think there would be just a whole lot more to the dialogue and there'd be, there'd be charm to it and stuff there'd be more emphasis on it because obviously that is a direction that the modern Resident Evil games are taking is that they are taking the cinematics uh, very sort of seriously they, re- excuse me, they really want to build up these characters over the course of several games and yeah, all I can think is just like how much more service would be done to each of these characters if they were, hand, you know, handed over to the writing staff of modern Resident mm. Evil. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's it's as I say, it's it's passable for its time, but I I really couldn't remember a a whole lot from it. That, and it, it ended up kind of like reminding me a lot of. Things like Lord of the Rings: The Third Age, which is a sort of a similar kind of scenario where it's like it's a spin-off game. You are covering lots of areas and places you've seen. So in Lord of the Rings: The Third Age, you're kind of like you're basically in the footsteps of the Fellowship of the Rings. You're going to all the same places they've been, but you're maybe like a day or two off from them. <laughs> That's obviously kind of what's happening in Outbreak. Mm. It's like this is where you know your Redfields and your Kennedys. Uh, you know, and your Valentines have been, and where your stars members have maybe been as well. Uh, but you are not them. <laughs> you can't help feeling like, oh, I remember where I was here with a much more impactful character. <laughs> <laughs> so, unfortunately, it's always going to pale in that in that uh, respect. And uh, I mean, it's not it's not the worst thing in the world. The biggest point for me is that the gameplay yeah. provides the storytelling and it's always so rewarding when you can talk to people about your experience, your adventure purely through gameplay and mm-hmm. what you sort of experienced um, from scenario to scenario. It didn't so much matter about the, the characters as much as I would like to see them sort of fleshed out if Outbreak ever comes back. So yeah, that's how I feel about it anyway. What's fun about the characters, actually, is that in terms of the background lore, they're actually quite well... They're at least fairly well developed for a bunch of spin-off characters. Like We dusted eight in straight away. They've all got occupations and background histories. You know, Yoko is a former Umbrella employee with amnesia and all this stuff. And yeah, everyone's occupations and things. Kevin is the guy trying his best to be a Stars member but keeps failing the exam. All that information is tucked away. It's not necessarily in the game, maybe in the odd bit of monologue here and there. But, yeah, unfortunately, because the gameplay takes such precedence, it does overshadow that a little bit. And I think you're right. They do really well with it these days, considering the baseline is already there for them. 
But Al breaks it in an unfortunate position because of the fact that it's a multiplayer game. And, you know, you can sort of play it in a few different ways. If you play it like us, it becomes a fun experience where, as you say, you're pointing out the cheesy one-liners and the silly stuff and maybe talking over or not necessarily paying as much attention to the more sombre stuff that actually is in this game. The way that Raccoon City's destruction is played out at the end of this, um, much like the end of RE3, is, you know meant to feel very emotionally impactful and the epilogue as well leaves a really interesting mystery there is a bunch of stuff that's touched on like the t-virus vaccine but to your credit again yeah maybe in the deep lore it has some kind of effect but it's never really referenced by any games which is why outbreak is one of these titles that people will continually debate it's you know canonicity um and that kind of stuff i always found the idea that these characters hop from scenario one two three four and five all over the city before getting out a little bit weird and that only gets worse with outbreak two when there are five more added into the mix and there are lots of people who have sort of plotted out what they think happens in what order and on what day and what characters are where which is all really cool and interesting to me in one fashion but also it's you're trying to string together a bunch of stuff that is in the very japanese sort of view of video games it doesn't matter to them it's about serving the experience they don't care uh about the real specific nitty-gritty that's more of a western thing um so outbreak is a weird one because it's it is impactful um and sort of tragic because it's the raccoon city incident but also it's very easy to miss that like it's very easy to miss all the many files because it's more about the gameplay and you know about having fun with your friends in theory um steve how do you feel about the story of outbreak i mean what's that famous saying three miles wide and an inch deep Mm. Something like that, right? Mm. Uh, when it comes to the player characters, at least, that's what it feels like. Each scenario, though, like, you go into the weeds a bit and look about the characters ancillary to that plot, like, you know, Greg Muller and Decision Decisions, Monica, who we've ridiculed a bit in, you know, Below Freezing Point. They have, like, deep lore and stories to them, and you can find notes and things that make that scenario more of a place. But really, like, outside of the stuff you read in the manual about, you know, Kevin, Alyssa, Yoko, they'll have, like, a weird cryptic monologue that's like, There is no more garlic in the fridge, but the zombies are all over Raccoon City. I am sad. When you beat a scenario. But that's really the only insight to their personality you get besides the ad-libs, which makes them a little bit more class-based ciphers that happen to look like people, at least in this. You know, they don't really, like, for example, when they all confront Greg Muller at the end of Decisions, Decisions, before he gets shot by Nikolai, spoilers for 20-ish year old game, you know, they don't say anything to him. He just monologues at them and then dies. They all just stand in front of him. Mm-hmm. You know, our characters are pu- are purely proxies for the player, and the stories that you have are the ones you read about and find in the actual world, which I think are really well-constructed, but we're not there for the story as the characters themselves. They're just there to get in, get out, and leave, and then mm-hmm. do some weird poetry. I don't bloody know. That's just that's what they do. The only time you really see any insights to their personalities, other than those weird monologues, are literally in the endings where you choose not to survive. <laughs> where, you, where you literally have like two pairs yeah. of like you know Mark and David or Yoko and Ke- sorry Jim and Kevin and and so on doing their thing. You know, I think it's rather sweet that George and Cindy's literally just sit there quietly watching the newts come in like almost like stargazing but mm. other than that they aren't that deep the downfall mm. of raccoon city is more of a story for your leon kennedys and your chris redfields and your claires and so on they're just it these guys are just in it to survive if outbreak was ever to come back part of me wonders if you would actually have these characters back at all or if you'd have the journalist the police officer the security guard the janitor you know mm. um I, it would probably upset a lot of people 
but it will also offer a room for customization because they are that blank slate. Yeah, and that's yeah, not a knock yeah. against it. You know, like like I said, the, the stories around the worlds and the scenarios you play in are much more interesting. I, I suppose does Bob count? Uh, <laughs> not really. Mm. But the police chief, I guess, trying to help people and then sacrifice himself, kind of neat. Uh, the the cowardly policeman trying to blow up an entire street full of zombies in the prep work for RE3's final last stand of the RPD, oh, or yeah, at least the, the police force. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's neat. It's just a shame that our characters are literally just bad poetry machines for it. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, let's talk about the game's aesthetics now to close up. Let's start with visuals. What did everyone think of the way Resident Evil Outbreak looks? Has it aged well? That kind of stuff. Um, James, let's start with you. What did you think of the way our outbreak looks? Didn't it? Didn't like for the time. It didn't really. Uh, <laughs> it didn't look any different to. I mean, actually, I feel like outbreak kind of went back. Interesting. Like because you had, like because you had CV, didn't you? Before that, See, yeah. I feel like an RE zero too. Well, that is obviously the thing. Yeah, this is definitely a step back compared to the GameCube games. Absolutely. And obviously they have pre-rendered backgrounds as well, so that really does mm. help them. Um, and this is working with 3D. So much like Code Veronica X, uh, that this is also aged, I think. Uh, yeah. I would say this looks better than Code Veronica, though. There is more uh, detail but, in the locations. But yes, it's dark compared to Zero. I, I don't want to say it looks bad because it doesn't. Like I, I like right. the there like I mean one of my weird many weird opinions is I actually prefer the original Resident Evil uh to the remake and it's purely because I love how it looks. Mm-hmm. Like the poppiness yeah, sure. and the colours and everywhere. It was great. But it was weird knowing that this game out came out in two thousand and three, right? I think I've said that twice now. Yeah. Um it's weird knowing that that game came out to this game came out in 2003 knowing what came out a couple of years or a year before that mm-hmm. um, and a year after that because we had uh, at the end of 2004 2005 we had remake for uh, Resident Evil 4 yeah right sure. so so it was, it, it was weird to think that but at the same time it was like well you know there's not really much to talk about because I think a lot of you know, we saw a lot of repeated um, assets that they've used from other games in this game um the models of the characters were unique and that was nice to see um and you know there were there were objects a lot of objects that were unique as well mm-hmm. they did put a lot of work into this um into this game uh the way the monsters moved and you know was was cool to to a certain point uh cough cough liquors but like it it yeah it is a uh, I wish I could say like more, but it's like it's it's a Resident Evil trilogy. It fits there, right? It's like it, it fits there perfectly, and it's fine. Yeah. Um. They, I feel like they probably thought, all right, we're going to put the budget into making this a co-op adventure, like instead of putting the budget into making like kind of updating its graphics mm-hmm. uh, instead, which is fine. You know, that's that's fine. Uh, but it didn't really change the landscape in terms of how, like, the visuals that you had uh, mm. for that game. It was still fixed camera angles. It was still, you know, drawn backgrounds. It was still uh, these blocky, very polygonal uh, characters that you move around or you see. Uh, yeah. Well, 
well, if, I suppose with my old, like my my new wives, it felt like that. Because again, mm-hmm. I think I feel like I'm I'm very spoiled. I always say yeah. this. I'm very spoiled with like recent recent stuff. I look at something and immediately see, oh, there's at least twelve polygons there. I mean, I'm exaggerating, right? But <laughs> yeah, um, mm. yeah, I would have liked a, a little bit. I would have liked it to be a little bit more updated, but it was it was it was fine. Yeah, as I said at the beginning, it sits in a weird spot um, in terms of its release because, yeah, it has come after the gorgeous GameCube games, which, I mean, regardless of the HD remaster, still look impressive for the time. Um, And, yeah, just before Resident Evil 4, this is the last, excluding the Resident Evil 4 PS2 port that would come a little bit later, but this is the last original... um, this and Outbreak File 2, which is just excess Outbreak material, was released a year later, essentially. Uh, this is the last original title for the PlayStation 2. So, it, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it is in a weird spot. And I do think there's more detail to the environments and stuff than Co-Veronica X. It, uh, as much as I like that game, it, it's quite washed out looking. This at least has... Um, and it, the nature of the different scenarios, right, gives it a lot more of a uh, variety. Uh, something like Hellfire and Below Freezing Point have got a very different palette, purely based on where they're located. You know, yeah. a frozen lab and a burning building, they're going to look very different. So it does have I, that on its side. I like, um, I never... I think with this game, when it comes to visuals and the game previous games I've played, the visuals wasn't... Like, normally I would say, uh, you know, normally I would be very, very hard on a game or I'd be very... But I don't... I, I have no need to be on this game. Mm. Like, because the the visuals were fine. Fine, they were, yeah. They were grey, you know. They were... <laughs> you know, yeah. I, not the colour palette was grey, but, you know, in terms of neutrality, like, it was just... Because it wasn't that that was carrying the game for me. Mm. No, you absolutely. Know, the, the visuals, so I didn't really look... To the visuals too much, yeah. Yeah, it's got enough going on where even if you don't necessarily like the visuals, it shouldn't be too much of a big distraction. Um, I feel like that kind of thing. They're good enough to get reused for the Chronicles games, right? So there's something there, I guess. Oh, nice. Yeah, um, I didn't know that. <laughs> all of these locations get... Uh, or at least uh, all of this gets put into Resident Evil 3 and Umbrella Chronicles. Uh, so there you go. Um, Jordan, how do you feel about the way the visuals are for Outbreak after all this time? Uh, well, that's actually how I first experienced these uh, sort of environments was in yeah, of Umbrella course. Chronicles. Uh, I would say that they look better here than they do in that game, but that might just be because <laughs> your face is right up next to a lot of that detail. <laughs> it was never really intended for first-person view. Mm. Um, it's tricky, really, because the thing is the the presentation is off. But I don't think the fidelity is actually sort of that bad. Like, I think character models are pretty good. I think generally the environment, the topology of the environment, you know, just the level of detail, it's there. I think it works fine for what we're accounting for, which is a third-person, fixed-camera, multiplayer online game, which can mean that you're you're sort of... The distance sort of drawn... Uh, on the screen can actually stretch a lot wider than most Resident Evil games ever have to worry about. Yeah. And um, so with that, I can understand why you know maybe the visuals are not tip top. And also, with complete respect to the studio behind this, this wasn't necessarily Capcom's top brass. No, um, for sure, they had plenty working on, on this. Yeah. 
So it, uh, I think it's, I think it stands up quite well, especially when you know they're having to sort of recreate uh, iconic locations and doing so in three D, in most cases for the first time, like as in, <laughs> so as in actually rendered three D, mm. like playable three D, not simply um, you know images as backgrounds. So uh, yeah, I don't want to be too hard on it, but I think the. Biggest aspect is first of all the textures. Granted, I'm playing it emulated, so I'm not going to be too harsh on it. But the textures are very muddy. Um, it's not that they completely lack detail. It's just that um, it can look a fair bit sort of mottled, and it's unfortunately there's just way, way too much sort of dishwater style uh, visuals in terms of sort of color grading. It can mm. look very washed out which may well be down to sort of the lighting system more than anything, or the, or the rendering system more than anything. Um, and it ends up sort of like, as much as that you can obviously want to sort of keep things dark for the case of atmosphere, it just ends up making that everything look severely underlit, more underlit right. than it really should mm. be. Um, and so it, it kind of comes off as a bit sort of hazy, and yeah, just just muddy. It's, it's not necessarily... Um, you know, a looker in terms of sort of like Resident Evil games. And it's weird because you're like, you're right in a period of time where Resident Evil games are coming out and they're looking stunning. Um, you know, whether it is like just, a you know, a couple years after this with Resident Evil 4 or you had the remakes, they know how to do lighting most of the time. They know how to actually get a lot out of uh, their texture constraints. And this is just a little bit sort of money. It ends up kind of feeling quite sort of B-tier or even C tier compared to like what we tend to expect from like core Resident Evil presentation, yeah. and uh, so it's it's serviceable, but it's such a shame because it's sort of like it ends up being sort of one of the the least appealing aspects of it to come back to because you're like, well, this game's really got some very interesting ideas. Um, it's very fun to play, um, but. Well, it'll be like it. It would need as like a serious kind of rejuvenation of its visuals if it was getting some kind of port. Um, and I think you could do it. I, th I think you could just maybe just add a little bit more color and clarity, and especially light uh, into every environment, and it would it would look ten times better, and it wouldn't take much. So. Mm. Yeah, it's it's otherwise fun, but yeah, like everything else, sort of like as I say, character models looked pretty good. Like I mean, it's weird because PS2 could very wildly, uh, but I feel like Capcom are usually quite strong on their character models at least. Mm -hmm. And the PS the PS2, despite many limitations, could always get some really good character models. <laughs> like you get to the end of that generation, it is stunning. Just. Like what kind of uh, visuals that console can produce, despite some of its like setbacks. Yeah, for sure. Um, Steve, any thoughts on the visuals? And also, while you're at it, you might as well take us into audio as well. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I'm pretty much on the same boat as Jordan when it comes to the visuals. Although I, I would argue, uh, comparing this to say Code Veronica or Devil May Cry. I feel like the environments are the weaker part. Like flat colours, most of the wide tracking shots are the reason that you've got four players running around. And mm. if there's no like green lighting or red lighting from like an ambient like overhead lamp or something, it can kind of look a little flat. 
like I would argue that the colored lighting and dynamic effects, maybe it's because I played the HD version on the, uh, the newer consoles, but Code Veronica did the lighting better, I feel. Not the I character models, but the lighting. Hmm. Um, I actually wanted to talk about the CG because that's technically visual, right? And I would yeah. actually argue some best in class Resident Evil CGI in this game. The intro is still iconic and fantastic, but like literally whenever they introduce a monster or a creature, it's very well done, I feel, for the time. Hmm. Um, the and you know to tie into the music, uh, my goodness! Like the the opening FMV with the 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 overture, the outbreak overture. There's something you could I could totally picture an orchestra play. Uh, some real gritty orchestral music plays normally for a boss fight that you'll kill in five seconds. Um, maybe on harder difficulties, Sanatos will be able to really embellish and revel in his theme. But it was kind of like that bit in RoboCop One where Alex Murphy's getting shot by the bad guys. It didn't last very long. There was lots of bang, 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 shoot, 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 and then the music's over. Mm-hmm. Um, what's there is great, though, literally. Like, mm-hmm. if you listen to in a vacuum, it's very well done. I think the sound effects feel a little bit more muted, but that's because you have to. You have characters ad-libbing and talking. You're probably a sound-mixing thing. You really can't have them overlap. And dare I say, Below Freezing Point pretty much steals the Resident Evil 2 lab soundtrack, so that gets points anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, all around agree with the takes on the music. Absolutely, their main theme is, of course, a huge banger. Uh, weird side tangent. Um, I've seen uh, video games live a few times over the years, which is where you get an orchestra that plays video game music. And most recently, they did play a Resident Evil piece when I saw them last time, which is a good many years ago now. And I was really excited, wondering what it could potentially be. And it Wound up being uh, Winds of Madness, which is the boss fight from Resident Evil 5. Wesker's team, right? Yeah, the first time you fight Wesker where you have to take the lights out or whatever it is you have to do. I can't remember, it's been a while. Before he becomes a monster, anyway. Um, And it was like, yeah, that was really cool. And I knew it was never going to happen, but a a small part of me was sad that they didn't play Outbreak's theme. Because you're right, like it's built for a big symphony orchestra. This is the TV show movie like tie-in, like big thing. Yeah. It's so, so good. I've listened to so many different versions and covers and remixes over the years. It's just a brilliant melody that sort of occurs throughout the game and uh, obviously most prominently in the opening and closing. It's Yeah, it's really one of the best the series has ever produced. Um, And all around, the soundtrack is really solid. There's some really memorable, spooky Raccoon City ambience in here. Uh, so yeah, the soundtrack's pretty great. Otherwise, it's fine. The voice acting, I found the playable characters are, you know, a bit hit and miss. Some of it sounds a bit sort of dreamy and, and uh, it's like, you know, a little bit high in places, I guess. Um, in my restless dreams, I see that town, <laughs> Raccoon City. It's very much like that in some of the endings. Um and all the NPCs were just kind of, yeah, they were okay and some easy to make fun of in some places, certainly like wannabe British doctor, as we pointed out. Uh, yeah, mixed bag. But the music, yeah, mwah, very good stuff. Um, Jordan, how did you feel about the audio for Outbreak? I'm going to be honest, I didn't have much of an experience of That's completely the audio fair. while we were playing. Yeah, of course. Um, Mainly because I just had to sort of balance my audio with my headphones so that I could hear everybody so that, uh, you know, we could find things. So, um, unfortunately, I kind of just want to abstain from this segment just because no, that's completely I fair. have not listened to the audio enough. Mm-hmm. 
So <laughs> no, that's on that makes total sense. What I was saying, sort of similarly about the story, is depends on how you're coming across it and how you're playing it. So I can see how those elements would be lost if you play it in those situations, uh, especially sort of first playthroughs where you're really concentrating on what's going on and what everyone else is talking about. Uh, James, you at least popped for a few tracks. Uh, Steve has mentioned the final boss theme. What did you think of the audio for Outbreak? Oh my god, that Thanatos theme is so good. It's pretty great. Like, is is that on the thing we're doing, by the way? Not this one. God, f- Okay. <laughs> oh, man, I would fight so hard. Um, yeah, so there's a track that I consider the best track in Resident Evil. And it's the last track, like the final boss theme, right? For this, we've spoken about it, like, but I just want to give extra credit because as soon as it came on, I went, what? I'm transported back to 2001. I feel like I'm, I'm watching The Matrix again. <laughs> you know, it was great. Like, I was, it was so good. Sorry, 1999, yeah. Um, it was so good. I was I was so pumped. And it was it was such a good hook because it did that thing where I, I loved it even more because it did the, the alien thing. There's your reference. Um, <laughs> it did the alien thing where it fakes you out and it gives you a credit scene. And then, you know, you have to keep going. And mm. yeah, it was so good. Like I, I yeah, and then the music pumped in. I was like... Because when it popped up again, I was like, oh, no, it's not dead. And then the music came in. I went, oh, yeah, it's not dead. It's going to be dead soon. You know, <laughs> it was great. I absolutely loved it. Yeah. And the um, there's also another track. Um, it's just after you, I think it's just after you do the first, uh, the first scenario. And everybody, and there's like an overhead view in day, daylight and uh, like there's mm. a bunch of SWAT and everything. There's a track yeah. there, which I really love too. Um, yeah, it's not just the in-game sort of like yeah. gaming part of the audio. The cutscene sort of scoring is really good as well. Yeah, it's, it's what Any I want to talk to about. The violins out. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's what I want to talk about most because the rest of the uh, the audio is kind of mid, right? But when it comes to like yeah, those scores, I was just blown away. I I think it's, I think it's. I, I mean, I I haven't grown up with the other Resident Evils, but I think it's probably. The, in terms of like overall, my favorite score to listen to, you know, because it because it's it's yeah, it's just so different as well, mm. you know, especially that that the start like the cinematic that you go through, it's so sweeping and lovely, and then turns into like grotesque, and then like that final mm. theme, it, it starts and ends so well. Uh, yeah, I, I, I just had it on. I was just listening to it again, which is why I'm so pumped right now. Because I was like, oh yeah, give me that again. Just inject it into my brain. <laughs> it was, it was so, yeah, so good. Because I uh, don't know if you know everyone. If you haven't listened to it, I'll post it into the, into the chat. Uh, the folks who are here anyway, the exclusive look, right? Even <laughs> something that you can YouTube. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, just listen to it because it's. It's, oh, I, don't, I can't even um, kind of place it in terms of a genre. Can we like, get away with putting a clip in the side of the podcast of like, you know, the. Well, let's put it this way, Steve. If we can, you're hearing it right now. So it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is a bop. Wow. Um... <laughs> <laughs> We're going to change it to like clown music now. <laughs> <laughs> Benny Hill. Um, yeah. But yeah, I. Yeah, I. I over, the summary, though, I thought that. The game audio. Do you know what? Mid is too harsh because the game yeah, audio is. is exactly 
it's exactly what I expected. Um, <laughs> you know, it's gunshots, it's zombies going, Burr, it's, you know, it's crows going, Wah! you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's exactly what you expect. And then, you know, exactly, and again, like all Resident Evils, you always expect a good score, you always expect yeah. good music, and it really did not, like, let us down with that. Mm. Cool. Well, after that very long road, we have now reached the end of the road, and we're going to talk about our conclusions, how we feel about Outbreak after finally getting to play it, as God intended, as Jordan said. Um and how we feel it fits into the Resident Evil series and maybe what even the future could be for Outbreak if we think there even is one. Um, Steve, let's start with you. What are your final thoughts on Outbreak and its placement in Resident Evil? These past few sessions where we've played through the campaign are some of the best Resident Evil experiences in a multiplayer sense I have ever had and I'm someone who plays raid mode and mercenaries and rarely digs deep on those like uh, I at least 100%ed RE5 once on the original 360 release that level of dedication including versus mode this is better and I, whether it's canon or not doesn't really matter I, I feel like the small side stories can always be put together as a whole and yeah, embellish things this is the kind of thing that if it was around now I feel like we would be having side content built around dead you know, death island coming up where you could play as like a, a mini version of that event or a lead up to the <laughs> event great. Yeah. you know it, or something to hype up a new game the fact that instead we get middle of the road uh, PvP games uh, it doesn't even touch it it really doesn't even touch it for me as an experience mm. is it perfect? no is it janky and have lots and lots of weird foibles and control issues? Yes. But there is like more to it than just blindly shooting monsters. There's figuring out how to solve puzzles, conserving items, exploring the map. It's, it's a lot more in-depth than even the most common PV, PvE-style games that we get now. Um, ahead of its time is something that a lot of people always say about Outbreak, and I feel like it, it really is true. And it's a shame because yeah. I don't think we're ever going to see anything like it ever again, excluding the time we do podcast, you know, the podcast on file too, obviously. <laughs> uh, I, they must have been burned really badly by this game to have literally like, this already has more players on its fan server than Reverse does, yes, does in total. Yes. Like if that isn't a deadly, like screaming ring endorsement of which like tech and approach they should be doing, it's this. My conclusion literally is that for all of its like jank and frustrating moments, the good vastly outweighs the bad, which compared to its its newer successes, the only one that comes even close is Resistance, and that might be because it has a lot more depth than the average PvE game. Uh, sorry, PvP game. Yeah. yeah. And again, it has a cast of characters that are at least unique and have quips. That is true. It's a weird one for me. I've gone through sort of the ringer with Outbreak over the years because, uh, yeah, I haven't enjoyed trying to play it by myself and not getting very far with it, which I know is not the way that it should be played, but I at least wanted to give it some kind of go. Um, and, yeah, I encountered a bunch of issues with it that I didn't like. Um, some of those were waylaid by the fact that we were playing the Japanese version, but obviously most of them were waylaid by the fact that we got to play it together properly. And as pointed out, some of the issues of this game just kind of wash away when you get to hang out with friends and enjoy it. And, you know, I guess you could say that about a lot of games, is that you can enjoy sort of middling titles as long as you're surrounded by people that you enjoy playing them with. 
but I still think the outbreak has a lot to give. Certainly, like we just we all went mental just talking about decisions, decisions. We were all champion at the bit to sing its praises as the perfect example of what this format should be. And all over the years, people sort of banging the book of outbreak and saying this is what we need. There's been a uh, temptation for me to sort of push back against that a little bit because I'm not opposed to you know, more PvP stuff or the 5v1. I'm, like, interested to see Capcom's take on the newest trends and that's the kind of stuff they're going to chase. I'm open-minded to seeing what they deliver to us, of course. I'm not saying anyone isn't. Uh, so I was just kind of like, yeah, I don't know, Outbreak feels like, yeah, it was ahead of its time at the time, but now looking back on it, it feels a bit like a thing of the past. But as proven by those player numbers on the fan server, people love this. People have stuck with this for 20-something years. You know, maybe not consistently, I guess, because the fan servers haven't been around that long. But people are going back to it after 20 years to play it online. Whereas RE versus Dead has been dead for months. It's been dead after, like, day three of it coming out. Uh, whereas, yeah, people are banging the book on this rightfully. Because it feels way closer to anything that Resident Evil multiplayer should be. So I have to sort of rescind some of my previous thoughts and feelings on Outbreak. I still think there's a lot about it that we'd all have to change with the current sort of setup of gaming. Like, there's a lot about this that doesn't fit that you'd have to really tweak to hit some of the markets in games today um, to make it more replayable, more comfortable. Obviously more comfortable, that's easy with quality of life. But to in order to keep it kicking around longer... It's, it would need a lot more content than just Outbreak File 1 has. Um, maybe both combined. Who knows? But it's a kind. It's the kind of game that, Steve, as you just pointed out, you could easily support with some extra scenarios or characters or whatever, even skins and all that stuff. Like, I could really visualise uh, a modern take on this that I think would upset some people because it wouldn't be a pure Outbreak File 3 as they know it. But the actual sort of beating heart that's beaten along to that violin tune that we were just talking about even still is is well worth carefully considering again and just, yeah, doing something with. It's high time. Like, these PvPs have not worked, have they, at all remotely. Ariverse was put out in almost literal shame. Like, Capcom sort of shuffled it out when no one was looking. So hopefully... Hopefully they learn their lesson and try something else more akin to this. But like you, Steve, I don't know if that will ever happen. But maybe you'd we can think, hold out hope. Like not to go on a rant, okay? But you'd think after the complete botching of Umbrella Corps and the lukewarm reception to Resistance, and then mm. the outright, dare I say, indignation of our reverse, someone's got to be looking back, or probably like at least like scowling at the fan servers, going, "Why are they playing that and not our?" Barely yeah. thought about PvP experience. Like I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm for a PvP thing if it's done right. Yeah. Like, but I mean, RE6 has done PvP better than any of these, and that <laughs> wasn't great. Mm, for sure. Um, James, what's your final thoughts on Outbreak? Where does it sort of rank for you? How do you feel about sort of its uh, legacy? I guess. I want everybody who is listening to this podcast right now, whether you're listening to it on YouTube, SoundCloud, wherever else our podcast is, is it's everywhere, right? I want you to share this podcast, right? I want you to share <laughs> it. I want you to at Capcom. I want you to send in emails, right? No, I don't. I'm not. You know. <laughs> Sternly no. written letter to your but own I want. I want you to share this because this game deserves a remake. Like, 
arguably it deserved more of a remake than RE4 did, right? And I love that game, mm-hmm. right? I l- loved RE4, right? But Outbreak needs a remake. They keep failing with these. You're never going to do it, Capcom. You got Street Fighter. You should be happy, right? You got your PvP Street Fighter, yeah, right? True. You should be happy, right? You're trying to do it with Exo Primal. It's probably not going to work. I'm sorry to tell you, right? I am, I am the authority on these matters, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? You're not going to win the shooter. You're not. You got Dead by Daylight. That's why Resistance failed, and because you didn't properly back it, right? You had Reverse. It's just going to be beaten by Call of Duty, Apex Legends, and Valorant, right? You need to do something different, and different right now is Outbreak. Mm-hmm. Right, it's so different, like to anything anybody is doing right now. Mm-hmm. If they do it right, you know, and I don't mean like I don't mean half, halfing, you know, just I, I'm so passionate about because I just want to play. I just want to see these quality quality of life stuff that this quality of life stuff that they brought to the recent games. I want to see the narrative, the the char- the characters that they built with these recent games. I want to see it in Outbreak. Right, I just want it so bad, but Capcom just seem to just be ignoring uh, their player base at the moment um, when it comes to this. And I know this has been, and I'm new to it. I can't imagine what people are feeling who have been doing this for twenty years. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm new to it. I can't, you know, they must be, they must be so fed up. You know, they must be so. They hear like they hear Capcom are doing a multiplayer game. They go, oh, is this the time? No, it's just another half-butted bloody game that doesn't make any freaking sense. You know, play to your strengths, Capcom. Play to that narrative. Play to the like the characterization, right? Which made Outbreak so interesting in the first place, right? Put put your players into these bodies because they will just make their own stories, like they did with the original. And you're gonna have a winner if you just put. The same amount of effort, effort they put into outfits they put into the previous remakes into another outbreak, whether it be file four, file three, whatever, it doesn't matter. I personally, I think they should have just redo the entire thing. Yeah, right. Sure. But um, yeah, just please, cap. They, they won't make a sequel to a twenty-year-old game. It would absolutely be like a reboot <laughs> or whatever, or like a yeah. spiritual successor. Um, which brings me to a couple points. Uh, when you say no one else is doing anything quite like this right now the only thing i can think of is back for blood which is obviously a spiritual successor to left for dead which jordan has brought up several times um and it's hard not to shake the fact that yeah outbreak was so ahead of its time that it was kind of it's kind of a proto left for dead in that sense where you get to all team up with buddies and do these scenarios and over and over again and get better at them and stuff like that we've had a great time with it and we'll continue to have a great time with it because i'm sure we're going to stream it and stuff like that (laughs) we'll continue to play it on the server like i i'm absolutely not done without break one let alone before getting into file two but yeah to your point in terms of you know keep screaming to capcom about it do you know what oh yeah as i said i've changed my mind absolutely do that we've talked about this game for two and a half hours uh (laughs) so i think our position on it is quite passionate as it is uh jordan take us home what's your final thoughts on outbreak how do you feel about it after finally getting to play it in the way that you're supposed to exactly yeah after waiting so long um mostly sort of just by my own appointment Mm. to find the right time to play this 
Uh, I can say in so many ways it's it's exactly what I hoped it would be as an experience. Um, it's not like I ever expected it to be the incredible experience, because it would be a bit bizarre if it were to be, you know, as brilliant as some of the core Resident Evil games, but just never got the spotlight. It's not quite that game, but it has so many good ideas, and some of it is ex executed so well that it really does rank up there in the sort of the very top of Resident Evil experiences, essential experiences even. And, uh, you know, it's just a massive shout out to the people who sort of have made this sort of possible to play on servers. There is a community there that has shown that you can actually band together out of seemingly nothing um, mm. and be able to actually play such an old game and do it in such a sort of like straightforward fashion, surprisingly, uh, to be able to sort of recreate the experience that Capcom wanted people to have when this first came out and were dismayed couldn't be made possible on a wider scale. It can now be uh, possible for people to actually experience Resident Evil Outbreak as intended and it's so great to see. You know, So massive shout out to Outbreak Server Resurrection, um, obslv.org, definitely a website to stick in your bookmarks and check out and register at so that you can play it yourself. And uh, again, I sort of I echo all the calls that this needs as much sort of attention brought to it and eyes on it, and particularly Capcom's, um, to make it possible. Because the thing is, Capcom are thankfully quite sort of receptive to ideas. Mm. Um, you know, if they see somebody who's actually trying to make, say, a Resident Evil 2 remake, <laughs> they'll invite them to actually talk to Capcom themselves and exchange ideas and eventually lead to Capcom making their own remake of Resident Evil 2. Uh, I love that kind of stuff. I love when there is an encouragement from the fan community, when Capcom feels comfortable enough with its IP that it actually does want to hear what the fans want and doesn't just keep trying to push things. Uh, and so I think that is something that Capcom would be heavily receptive to the idea that there is a market out there for Outbreak. I mean, think of how many sort of die-hard Resident Evil fans you know, which it should be quite easy, considering you're listening to a Resident Evil podcast and you're part of the lovely First Aid Spray podcast community. Uh, but think of how many of those uh, fans play uh, Resident Evil, especially the classic Resident Evil fixed camera style, as speedruns, like just as a weekend thing, just as something they like to do, like to just take their beloved games and run through them again and again. Outbreak, in a way, is like that. It's sort of, it's intended to sort of be repeated and sort of honed and get your runs down to sort of pitch-perfect renditions and to do that with other people. I think there's lots of things that you could change about Outbreak if it were to come back. Uh, as much as I would like to see a sort of tweaked, but otherwise largely sort of authentic HD port of the originals, I know that that is probably not going to go down with a sort of modern audience. Mm. This is absolutely the kind of game that you either make a remake of or a pretty much full-blown spiritual successor yep. to that is pretty much Outbreak 3 without being called Outbreak 3. But there's so many other things that you could do with it. You know, There's so many other ways that you could enhance the online aspect of the game now, just because... <laughs> 
you know, it's been 20 years. We were in a completely different sphere when it comes to online games and their accessibility. And it's it's all there. So it was unfortunately sort of like time-locked to a period where most people just didn't have access to either the hardware or the servers to actually play online. And they obviously had a really subpar experience if they were trying to just play it with bots. Even that can be improved now. Um, with the you know sort of <laughs> degree of polish that games so often see when it comes to actual single player campaigns and stuff, it's weird because it's not like Capcom hasn't been very busy over the last you know half decade or more working on core Resident Evil titles. But even despite that, throughout it all, they have always shown a case of idle hands because there's always some kind of spin-off project going on. And while, to be fair, I don't think they necessarily put too many resources into that. I think that's quite evident, unfortunately, by the likes of Umbrella Core, or RE-verse, or RE-Resistance. Um, but if they were to just, I don't know, decide that they want to put a little bit more weight behind some of their spin-offs for Resident Evil, and they decided, let's go, let's actually go and try and see if we can do like a season one mm-hmm. of Resident Evil Outbreak. Mm-hmm. I think it would do really well. I think, first of all, you get to actually bring back a certain amount of classic Resident Evil that people are pining for and would, I think, still take it in an Outbreak style. Uh, but you also get to sort of satiate that online community that you know Capcom seriously wants for Resident Evil but just can't seem to find. It seems to me that it just ticks loads of boxes and... It might just be that I've just got a heavy bias for this because I've always sort of believed in the idea of what it is. Um, But I would like to think that it's got a future somewhere. Yeah. And I don't know when, because it may well just be that Capcom is simply far too busy to actually sort of dedicate the right resources to it. And I certainly wouldn't want them to, you know half-ass it. Mm. I wouldn't want them to just sort of like maybe ship it out to a third-party developer who has like 18 months to make, you know, a big online infrastructure that simply they can't deliver. Mm. Um, but I really think they need to sort of pursue it because when I've sort of come out of the back of this, I, I, I want to be able to recommend it to more people knowing that it's actually like properly accessible to people on modern platforms. The day that I can say that will be, you know, just phenomenal because then you get a whole other sort of brand new fandom that comes in that can appreciate all the ideas that it has. So, yeah, so much to build from from this. So it's weird because it's weird you can kind of give this game maybe, I don't know, a 7 out of 10. But there's so many other ways where it's sort of like the experience, especially with friends, is like a 9 out of 10 or a 10 yeah. out of 10. It's... It's very weird to kind of explain how that works as sort of like a balance. But yeah, there is some there is some gold in them thar outbreak hills. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna quickly put uh, one last bit in this before we close up, just to you know, we've made this a positive call to arms uh, about saying, you know, we would like a new outbreak. Uh, I just wanted to quickly tag on the end that there is obviously a very important distinction between harassing Capcom um, and telling them what you want. 
know that line don't yes. be a dick to anyone obviously exactly. that goes without saying but i just wanted to say it anyway capcom even recently they regularly sort of asked or semi-regularly asked these things but recently asked you know what else would you like to see from resident evil and everyone on twitter did the right thing by being like oh they're asking us this question you know it's time to ask for outbreak again or code veronica or whatever it is that people want to do absolutely fine those are the moments you know be polite about it elsewhere but yeah, don't don't harass anyone, please. And yeah, yeah I don't want to be responsible I, for that. And be nice. I I think I think we we can treat this as a lesson, a a life lesson for people. Capcom guys is a big company, and they look at numbers. They're not looking at your words, mm. right? So if you use your numbers, right, to share podcasts talking about outbreak, you use your numbers to go into that survey and fill it out. You use your numbers to go into replies right, of Capcom stuff saying out, uh, Outbreak Remake, please. They look at those numbers. They're not looking at the words. Yeah. They're looking at the amount of times they see that Outbreak is being mentioned, and then they will do it. I promise. Mm-hmm. They are a company that at least has shown in the past that they do actually listen to fans. But yeah, they are going to look for those numbers over the words. Absolutely. Um, so... Nothing else remains for me but to thank our contributors, our Patreons, and our listeners. Join the first Age Break Discord server to become part of our community and hear the show early and unedited. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. All of these links and all of our content can be found at fasprayPod.com. You can listen to the podcast on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, and all good podcasting apps. And if you like what you hear, please do leave us a review where you can and spread the good word. Don't forget you can support the show by picking up some merch or at patreon.com forward slash fa spray pod for as little as one dollar a month in our next episode we dust off the tomes of the sd Perryverse one final time as we sit down for our last reading it's book club zero hour thank you to the panel you can follow all of the pueblo people individually i'm at signiac underscore one two three steve is at fb steve was taken jordan is at serial box 64 and james is at moist outlet off and finally thank you for listening and have a good week oh nelly bloody almost three <laughs> hours we could have done decision decisions on that <laughs> <laughs>